You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? I can't believe it. The Hobgoblin's threatening to throw Mary Jane off this bridge if I don't listen to Fanhole's podcast. The pop culture podcast that's made for the fans by the fans. That's right, Spider-Man. Listen to the Fanhole's podcast or the redhead gets it. <laughs> Mary Jane! Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Fanholes. Uh, this is Derek. Uh, we're doing a uh, special show for you guys this week, uh, premiering, uh, I guess it came out probably last week by the time this airs, or maybe the same week, um, will be the uh, Amazing Spider-Man. And so, uh, you know, because we're all excited about Spider-Man and the movie and everything, we've got uh, an all-Spider-Man podcast coming up for you. And uh, along with me here today are some other fan holes that uh, wanted to discuss Spider-Man type stuff. We're going to be talking about the uh, the most recent Spider event for us, which was Spider Island. And then we're also going to be discussing some of our favorite Spider-Man villains, our favorite Spider-Man you know, writers and artists, and also uh, our favorite Spider-Man storylines and, and comics and everything. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm here. I'm Derek WC. And then uh, uh, speak up, everybody else. Just let everybody know who's here. Hey, I'm um, Mike Thunderwing, and I was facade. <laughs> spider blood, spider blood, radioactive spider blood. Hey, this is Grimlock, or a.k.a. The Spectacular Spider-Ham. Nice. So, uh, yeah, when I'm not uh, eating mounds and mounds of bacon, um, I like to talk on fan holes with my, my fellow fan holes about <laughs> Spider-Man stuff. Um, but, yeah, I guess I guess we'll try to jump right into it. But, uh, you know, fairly recently uh, there was a uh, big, uh, I guess, uh, not line-wide event, but it kind of ran through all the Spider-Man titles and ran through Venom. And then they had all their sort of ancillary uh, Spider Island miniseries. And so, uh, you know, the big event was uh, Spider Island. Um, You know, the main crux to the story is that, uh, you know, everybody in New York is getting Spider-Man powers because uh, the Jackal has, uh, you know, I guess, you know, all those other jackals that you thought died the last, like, you know, five or six times you saw them were all clones, and this is the really reals jackal. Really, 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 really,
Mountains. And, uh, and everybody's uh, getting infected and everything. And uh, so based on that, you know, it sort of runs through all the uh, titles. You know, New York is quarantined. And, you know, you get to deal with some of the supporting cast, like Mayor Jameson and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, uh, Robbie Robertson and his son and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the main, the main Spider-Man title kind of follows Peter and, and MJ and Carly and, you know, some of the Avengers and stuff like that. And then, you know, Venom also uh, sort of follows Flash Thompson and, you know, different characters like that. Um, so I guess we're just going to talk about, you know, uh, you know, what we thought of Spider Island, you know, if we liked it, you know, things we didn't like, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, just kind of get everybody's opinion. And, you know, maybe if you're, if you haven't read this yet, you know, maybe you might want to check it out. Or if you have read it, you know, it might be fun to, uh, sit and listen to, uh, some, you know, hyper analysis of, uh, of a sort of mini event storyline, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, Peter Parker and stuff. So, um. So, Mike, uh, what did you, uh, I mean, what was your take on, I, I know we kind of talked about Spider Island a little bit before in the past podcast. I guess at that point, I hadn't really read it yet. So I was only, you know, I only read so much Spider-Man, but I know you and Justin, I think, had read it even back then. So, I mean, it, has your thoughts changed at all since you read it? or A little bit. Um, Like, I, I think I praised it when I first kind of, like, well, like, the first time I read it, it was kind of like I just kind of burn stole it and just kind of read each issue. Except, well, I bought all the Venom issues because I, I buy Venom month to month. But, like, the amazing issues I just kind of, yeah, like, burn stole and read in the store. And when, I, like, I finished that up, I was kind of like, yeah, that was kind of fun. And, you know... And uh, I kind of enjoyed parts of it, and then like I, I got the hardcover and I read it straight through, and I'm I'm left with the slightly less favorable view of it after I read it like all the way through like properly. But you know, I will say it was like it was enjoyable, and there were parts of it I really enjoy, and uh, like I really liked the Venom tie-in issues and. And I don't know. I don't know if that's just a, a a side effect of me like liking like Rick Remender, like his his writing, or I don't know. Maybe I'm just fav- favorable towards that, or you know. I, I mean, I've never really liked Venom all that much, but I like like Flash Thompson. I like this Flash Thompson Venom. So you know, I guess that's just why I enjoyed those parts, but, um... Yeah, I, I, I like Flash Thompson, so I, I can see why that'd be kind of appealing. It's kind of funny, like, growing up as a kid, I, I always got, like, a bunch of back issues, and I seem to always miss all the negative portrayals of Flash Thompson, like, I always got the cool ones, where he's, you know, he's, like, catching the Hobgoblin's pumpkin bomb that's headed towards Spidey, and, like, you know, deflecting it, and getting hurt and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of like always thought Flash Thompson was like almost like Jimmy Olsen, like Spider-Man's pal, you know, Flash Thompson, <laughs> you know. So, of course, you know, growing up and getting more back issues, I get like, you know, oh, he also he hits his girlfriend and he cheats on her and he's a big drunk guy. You know, he's a big alcoholic, that too. But he's still Spider-Man's pal, yeah. so, you know. But, you know. But, you know, as for the Spider-Man parts, uh, I don't, like, I, I really, like, Dan Slott's kind of, like, soured me, kind of, on his writing on Spider-Man, like, ever since he, like, took over, like, Soul Duty, so, you know, there's parts I like, like, I appreciate his, like, desire to make things, like, I don't know, like, simpler, or, I don't know, make things that were cool, like, cooler, but sometimes it doesn't, like, work, really, to my satisfaction, really, 
I don't know, like, I've already gone off a lot of times about what he's done with the Hobgoblin and all that. And, you know, even, like, uh, he seems, like, you know, adamant. Uh, he seemed adamant about making, like, Mac Gargan the Scorpion again and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, like, it, it seems like he has, like, things that he wants to do so that make sense to him, but they don't, like, necessarily make sense to me. So Yeah, I thought, I thought it was interesting because I, I just wanted to bring this up because now, I guess, reading it, I, I think even back then, like, you, you kind of let me know what had happened to the Hobgoblin, and I hadn't read a lot of those comics yet, but now I've kind of read Big Time, and, you know, I read Spider Island and a couple of those, you know, uh, ancillary miniseries and everything i and like i am a you know i i think hobgoblin in general like you know the the i guess the kingsley hobgoblin is probably one of my more favorite spider-man villains but i guess i i think the the phil urich version is is kind of growing on me i guess just because i think sometimes like the what was appealing about the original Hobgoblin to a degree was like the mystery behind him. And I know it's not really a mystery who this new Hobgoblin is, but it is kind of a mystery to all the other supporting cast. So in that sense, I, I, I in some ways it feels like a Hobgoblin who kind of got his edge back, I guess is kind of how I took it. Like I was kind of like, Oh, he's working for the Kingpin again. And you know, most people, you know, when, when Phil shows up and he's like, you know, I, I, I know, I think you described it before as, like, Slot was trying to make some kind of evil, unresponsible Peter Parker-type character with with Phil, you know, like, like yeah. the evil Spider-Man or something like that, which is kind of interesting. And I guess maybe, you know, people who have a more entitled sense of, of you know, like, I, I want things and I, I want that girl and I want, you know, kind of like Superboy priming the guy up almost, you know, where yeah. it's like he wants to go after Nora and he's jealous of uh, Randy Robertson and all that kind of stuff. And, I you know, to me, I just, you know, obviously reading big time and watching, um, you know, uh, Roderick Kingsley get his head lopped off. Like, yeah, that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because I was kind of like, wow, that's kind of unceremonious, you know, way for the guy to go yeah. out and like, it's a long time spider villain. And it was just like, you know, oh, fuck you or this is our new guy or whatever. But I guess, I guess I tried to, you know, get past that a little bit and just kind of take the character, you know, a- as he was going through the story. And so like some of those things, like I, it, it's funny. Cause I guess I kind of got into his whole little arc. Like I was kind of like, Oh cool. He screwed over Randy and he's got Nora and she's, Kind of like it's almost like those two deserve each other or something. I yeah, don't know why. I true. just kind of got into sort of following that. So I just kind of bring it up. The the problem with me is like I liked Phil Urich too. So until yeah, like he yeah. went all evil and stuff, and now it's just kind of like I have nowhere to turn almost. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's kind of a tough. But because like, for well, you, it's like two characters got kind of messed yeah. up. Right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, I'll explain it later when we go into like favorite Spider-Man villain. But it's like I got like. Like I said, there was like a no-win situation for me, pretty much. But um, I did want to say like uh, I I kind of dug like like Kane coming back and stuff because I always thought Kane was pretty cool and like I grew up like buying like Clone Saga issues, so like 
I, I guess I was kind of infected by X-Men issues I was reading, too, because I always used to think, oh, it's so obvious. Kane is like Peter and Mary Jane's son from the future or something, you know? <laughs> so it's like that's when I was growing up, I was like, oh, how can no one see this? This is like so obvious. You know, he gets visions of the future, so he has to be from the future, you know? But, you know, when, I still like Kane, even though my predictions didn't turn out to be right. Hey, but, I, uh, I kind of I like your predictions. Predictions. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I, I like I guess they were trying to like bring back Ben Riley, but not really bring back Ben Riley and yeah, like yeah. bringing Kane back. So, and you know, I I can dig like you know slot not just like at first I was kind of like oh he's bringing Kane back, but Kane's a big dumb like Hulk spider like goon or whatever i was like that's not really bringing him back but you know then he like you know cured him and he kind of i I always dig like i always dug the like peter and ben dynamic so the a little bit of that was kind of recaptured with you know in the last stages of that that yeah it was was pretty funny like i thought i thought like the the whole bit they have where, you know, he dresses up as Spider-Man, you know, and switches places with them. So because, you know, I guess the idea is, you know, a long haired, you know, clone vatted Peter would look odd to people. So they they swapped clothes or whatever. And uh, and then they, they have that line where Peter's like, OK, say something. And he's like, Wallopin' <laughs> Web Snappers. And he's like, all right, stop. You know? So I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty funny, like and cute and everything like that. And uh you know, I, I, I guess I don't. The one thing that I think is funny is I, I know like it's supposed to be the new era of Peter where he's got the new hip job and everything. But I, I still I don't know. I Maybe I need to read more, uh, you know, continue reading some more of the Spider-Man comics. But when he kind of runs off with his, uh, you know, his new stealth suit or whatever, I was kind of like, what's the big deal? Like, can he just make another one for himself? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I don't I don't know why it's like, wait, you took my suit, dude. Like, I'm like, I think. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. I was gonna say they're kind of a uh, lethal protectoring Kane up a little bit. Yeah, I think they're yeah. kind of like white whitewashing away some of his like misdeeds and stuff. You know, like I kind of expected like Peter to say at any moment it was like, oh yeah, didn't you murder people? And like Kane's <laughs> like, uh yeah, just a little bit, but I'm sorry. And Peter's like, okay, you know. You know, I, I protect the innocent. As long and as Peter's long like, as, that's all I have to hear. You know, yeah, as long as you're sorry, as long as 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 you you're cool now. Yeah, as long as you only murder giant spiders from old Spider-Man stories that I've never read. See, that was the thing. <laughs> I guess the reveal to me of 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 who the 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 big bad was beyond the jackal. Like, I I don't think I maybe I should go and you know find those old stories or what. No, but you I shouldn't. Okay, that, that was. Terrible story. Yeah, see, because it's like I never, I never read those. It, it kind of all, all I kept thinking was when I read all those Captain America comics, and I was like, I don't remember reading anything like that. And then I was like, oh, that's because it was in like Spectacular Spider-Man. I'm all, of course, that makes yeah. sense. That 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 was the Paul Jenkins story where uh, Peter uh, got like infected or impregnated by the Queen, uh, and he mutated into a giant spider, and then yeah. was born out of himself, okay. and came out with the organic web shooters. Oh. So. Okay, well then, uh, yeah, never mind. Then. 
but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I I do appreciate you know slots like kind of adherence to continuity. Like I like once I saw her, I was like, oh, that that kind of makes sense. You know, she's the Spider Queen, so you know, and but you know, well, and I I I I kind of think she like got what she deserved in the end, pretty much. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm cool with that, but whatever, you know. So what did you, uh, did you, uh, it sounded like you were going to say something about the Spider Queen, Justin. I was going to say, like, I didn't know who she was. So when they were revealed her, I was like, wait, who? Like, I was kind of on the what train. Like, I'm like, I had to do a little research. I'm like, oh, her. Yeah, I, I don't remember her, but okay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know who she was at first when I started reading it. And, and, like, they talked about her, she had a relationship with Cap. I started thinking, is that that one chick that he dated after that in the Marvel Knights line? And it wasn't. But I was kind of like, okay, like I don't know who this is. Yeah, so yeah, I wasn't. When, when, when they started bringing up, you know, past history with Cap, I'm like, well, you know, kind of like you, like I know some Cap history. I should know who this girl is. But you know, like yeah, even I when I figured it out, I'm like, oh, okay, well, never mind. Confined to one like spectacular Spider-Man story, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then you know like the, uh, I guess I for me like I, I know you're saying like a slot like likes to adhere to like certain kinds of continuity and stuff like that, but it's weird like even within this event I thought maybe some things were a little um, disjointed I guess because I would read you know like sometimes it would get to the point where it was annoying where like you'd read Venom one issue and Spider Man the next issue and it was like you know, watching an anime where they reanimate the same 15 yeah. minutes at the yeah. end of it, you know, and you're just kind of reading the same comic you already read, and you're like, didn't I read this already? But it's just drawn different. And then and then there was some other stuff where, whereas that might have been, like, total adherence to continuity, like, you know, exact word-for-word, word, like, scene-for-scene scene recreation. Then there was, like, some other stuff where, you know, I, I think when I was reading the Venom issues, it's like, I was kind of, you know, I, I was kind of laughing, but not really about, it's like Firestar and Gravity kind of were like pwned in the, the Venom issues. And I was kind of like, ah, those dumb young allies, like whatever. Like I wasn't, I was like, I was hoping maybe it'd be like, you know, the Nomad Chick or Ariana or the, the all new, all different Toro. Like I was hoping they would get <laughs> choked during the fight too or something, but it was just, it seemed like it was just Firestar and Gravity. And I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of like Firestar. You know? Yeah, I was like, going to say, that's like, like the like, good I, I don't know ones, why, yeah. why she was getting like all you know choded in that and then what's weird is i i don't know if it was supposed to be like some kind of character arc or whatever but it's like by the time they showed up again in amazing spider-man it was like they're they're not morty anymore they're like you know spider-man trusts us and we're the shit and you know we're gonna we're gonna hold the ground and protect the uh you know the little generators and everything and we're we're cool now again or whatever but like before i was kind of like oh it was kind of like they all look kind of like green newbies even though like fire you know because i think in the spider-man thing it's like hey remember i was a new warrior and an avenger way before you were spider-man like you know and she's like actually sort of you know standing up for herself instead of just being like oh no we can't do anything you know so yeah oh the the thing you mentioned about like disjointedness it kind of made me think like when this story was coming out month to month i remember you and me justin were like when uh like they revealed like the you know the jackals the spider king henchman it's like his identity and it, like in the that venom issue it's like he's Captain America? I remember me and Justin being like, what the <laughs> fuck? You yeah. know? Yeah, that, because that kind of little... came out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was kind of like one of those, like, 
tropes that I hate. You know, it's like I always hate Superman getting manhole covered or whatever. But this this seemed kind of similar where it's like, oh, if if Hero X got taken down, then the shit's really serious. You know, and it's just <laughs> basically in Venom, it was kind of like, well, Flash, son, if Cap got taken down and turned into a, you know, a, a war spider, then, you know, things are really serious, boy, you know, and it was just kind of supposed to be like, oh, no, even Cap got, you know, hypnotized and turned into a spider, you know, and you're just kinda, I, I was just kind of like at that point, when did that happen? Yeah, and like I was yeah. like, I was like did, <laughs> did, I, it did I miss a tie in or something somewhere? But I don't think so. Like, what what's going on exactly? I think it's not, like, until, like, a couple, like, amazing issues, like, later, where they're like, oh, Cap went to wherever, like, Transylvania or something, and she captured him there. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I thought I'm, yeah, like like Justin says, I thought I missed something somewhere. So you felt like you were missing yeah. an issue or some tie-in story. You're, like, tied into, like, Super Soldier number five, Spider Island tie-in or something. Hmm. Yeah. But it, it did lead to some good... Um character interaction between like uh, Flash Venom and Cap once Cap got cured like I liked some of their interactions there and they seem to like continue to interact fairly well in um, the Ghost Rider not the Ghost Rider the Venom ongoing okay. and, um, and uh, Secret Avengers like they yeah, still actually, I, was, like, I was thinking like because of that Secret Avengers I guess I, I had seen the publicity stills about Venom you know or Flash Thompson joining that team so I I, kind of when I was reading those scenes and seeing the two of them you know work together and fighting the Spider Queen I was kind of thinking oh this this kind of sets up that dynamic maybe you know he's worked with them and you know I actually kind of liked that scene like I I know how I'm always making fun of Mr. Cap but I kind of like that scene where he's like you know uh, sorry sir you know there wasn't anything I could do I had to kill her you know and he's just kind of like well son this is war like you know it's sometimes you know, sometimes that's what, what ends up happening. You know, like he wasn't like, you don't kill, mister, out of my sight. <laughs> no, it, was like, it wasn't like this big uh, debate in Civil War, you know, Galactic Storm bullshit. It was just kind of like, you know, he just kind of, you know, is sitting there, you know, kind of going, hey, look, you know, that's, you know, you know, in wartime, you know, you, you can't stop and, you know, have regrets. You just got to keep, you know, doing you what you're doing. Stick you know? that energy shield right in her back. Yeah, you know, so... So I don't know. I, I just, you know, for, for like Earth X and those kind of things, you know, like the way Captain America is and that when he just, you know, snaps the little Red Skull kid's neck. You know, I, I just always appreciated that version more than than, uh, you know, and somebody who's going to stop and write you a big uh, dissertation about something. Maybe maybe Flash should be like Cap's pal now. Cap's pal, Flash Thompson. <laughs> Golly, the, the new Golly. App, yeah. The the what are what are we gonna call him? Uh, Bucky Venom. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Golly, Cap! I lost control of the symbiote and I twisted this guy's head off like a coke bottle. No top. regrets, <laughs> Bucky Cap. Move forward, Mister. That's okay, partner. It all came out in the wash. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised, like, I don't know if you guys want to discuss this or what you've read or anything, but there were a lot of you know typical to any kind of Marvel event, there were a whole lot of ancillary tie-ins. You know, you had, uh, you know, Spider Island Shang-Chi, you had yeah. Spider Island with, uh, you know, uh, Herc and Black Panther tie-ins, you had the Amazing Spider-Girl, you had uh, Spider-Woman, 
you had uh, the, the Avengers tie-in with uh, Frogman and Hawkeye and all those people. You know, you had, uh, uh, you know, Cloak and Dagger, you know, like, so there were, there were lots of sort of ancillary stories. I mean, as far as most of those, I mean, to be honest, like, I thought a lot of them weren't so hot, you know, I... I, yeah. I kind of wanted to just kind of, you know, like, I, I know maybe it's a double standard because I love all the goofy, crazy stuff that DC does. But I think since Marvel kind of bills itself as like, we're the we're the serious, you know, comic company, like we do things all realistic. And then I'm like, yeah, realistic, like what, like having Shang-Chi have like yeah, six right. arms and like Black <laughs> Panther running around with six arms and stuff. And then and then the thing that cracked me up about that was, uh, you know, I like Shang-Chi, but it was just funny. It's like it's like, you know, they go through all this trouble to find a cure, you know, and it's like Reed Richards is going to, uh, you know, Alicia Masters because maybe she has some immunity and, you know, Spider-Man's trying to, you know, figure out, you know, oh, how, how do we cure this thing? We need to find patient zero and, you know, oh, Mary Jane has some immunity to it and all this like kind of stuff that's going on in the background. But meanwhile, Shang-Chi's like, my Kung Fu cures me, you know, it's just kind of like, like, I didn't get what happened there. It was like, I was reading it and he had six arms and then all of a sudden all this fighting happens and then he's got two arms again. And I was like, wait, 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 what happened? Like, and I was like, wait, his Kung Fu just magic. It was just basically like, you know, it'd be like, uh, you know, oh, you can, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm cured. You know? I'm just kind of like, like happened you know like and you know you know black panther got cured because he had a contingency plan yes. for sprouting yes. six arms he broke the the four <laughs> other arms and just ripped them right off but he's the man yeah. so it didn't you know wakanda had the cure all along they just didn't trust anyone else with it <laughs> years ago man we just didn't trust you guys but, uh, you know, and then I guess there, there, there was some other stuff like I, I'm going to like speaking of uh, the Urich Hobgoblin and everything. I, I think the, the ancillary miniseries that I liked the most, which I was surprised, was uh, was the Amazing Spider-Girl. And I guess mainly that's probably thanks to uh, Spider-Kingpin and uh, and Phil Urich Hobgoblin. You know, like I, I, I don't know why. I guess I, I've always been a big fan of uh, the Kingpin. And it's kind of nice to see him back in a significant capacity in the Spider-Man books. Cause it seemed like, you know, like pretty much at, at a certain point in time, like daredevil kind of owned him lock and key, you know, it was like Kingpin became a daredevil villain. And it was almost like after a certain point in time, you know, you, you, you rarely saw him, you know, in a Spider-Man comic, or at least that's what I kind of felt like, like he, he kind of just, you know, Bendis or whoever was, playing with the kingpin you know kind of held on to him or whatever and it was kind of rare like to see him but now it seems like oh he's kind of back in full force and is is a, a big time player so that he can show up in daredevil and show up in spider-man and you know show up wherever he wants to show up so i was kind of uh i was kind of amused and uh and kind of I, I enjoyed seeing his interaction with uh with uh spider girl or ariana or whatever yeah like i don't have any like real appreciation for that version of Spider Girl? Like I don't know much about her, but I did keep reading those tie-ins just because I liked Kingpin and my, I liked the Hobgoblin. I know you know that well, that version of Hobgoblin might stub Mike's toe a little bit, but I think he's fairly interesting. And then just seeing you know Kingpin have like six arms, I'm like, okay, this is really weird, but I 
I can't look away. Like I have to keep reading this to see where this is going because this is getting <laughs> kind of crazy. I, I did like that Avengers uh, one shot uh, with Frogman and stuff just because I thought it was hilarious how Sp- uh, Hawkeye kept trying to shoot an arrow, but it kept sticking, sticking to, to him. So <laughs> he couldn't like, control yeah, it, seemed like it. it seemed like he had tons of problems with, uh, with the spider powers and that little tie-in and everything. Yeah. That, that was probably my favorite, like, Spider Island tie-in is that Avengers one shot. Like, that had me cracking up the whole time. Like, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was fairly tongue-in-cheek. I mean, I like... Uh, I know this is going to sound funny, but since I read, you know, I like Captain America a lot. Like, I, I enjoy Flag Smasher and Ultimatum as bad guys, and I know they were kind of played up for laughs in that that story, but it, it didn't bother me that much. I was just kind of, you know, going along for the ride and kind of yucking it up. So I thought it was kind of funny how Hawkeye seemed to have a big uh, hard-on for Spider-Man, where he's like, you know, like, damn, Spider-Man, like, nobody else... You know, n- nobody nobody would be turning into a bunch of Hawkeyes, you know, <laughs> you know whatever. And I was just kind of like, all I could think of when he said that was, I was all, didn't you guys just have a World War Hulk's fucking thing where everybody turned into the Hulk? Like, I don't know, I, but maybe, maybe I, I maybe my memory's too fine, keenly honed. But I was just kind of like thinking about uh, all the Hulk out guys or whatever but yeah see that's that's kind of an aspect of this you know event that i wasn't sure i was going to enjoy like you know i I think i said on a past show like i usually don't enjoy comics or you know episode of a cartoon series where everyone turns into a hulk or a giant ape yeah like i didn't like that (laughs) like i don't i don't usually dig stuff like that so when i started promoting spider allen i'm like well this this could be okay but like you know i just had kids having flashbacks to like that scene in the clone saga where you know ben and peter are fighting fighting like a bazillion different spider clones i'm like i'll just get what it's going to be like and you know they did have kind of like a sequence like that where all these you know random morts were wearing like uh old spider-man costumes i'm like ah here we go it's just gonna be like the clone saga only it's like contained to one island or whatever but I actually ended up enjoying Spiral and you know fairly much, even though I have that kind of bias against those kind of things. Do you think that? Uh, do you remember how we we all sort of reviewed the uh, the X Men Second Coming and everything, and we kind of discussed how it felt like an old school X Men you know crossover book, and kind of reminded us of mm-hmm. you know kind of took us back to some nostalgic eras, whether it was things like the Executioner song or or those kind of you know, multi-part, you know, Mutant Massacre, you know, Follow the Mutants, whatever it was, kind of crossovers. I mean, do you think, like, for people that are fans of, because, I, you know, I, I can't go out on a limb and say I love Maximum Carnage or Maximum Clonage <laughs> or anything like that, but I, you know, I read them, you know, I was still, I hadn't given up on the Spider-Man books by then, but not that it's one of my favorite stories, but, you know, is it fair to say that maybe people that were fans of that, is is there a similar correlation with Spider-Island and that, you know, that they brought back the Jackal and, you know, I mean, I, I guess in some ways, like, the, the fans, you know, like, are being spoken through the Jackal in some ways where, you know, the Jackal's kind of like, you could couldn't pay me to clone that that Carly Sue chick or whatever. Like I kind of laughed at that. So <laughs> yeah, that was so. funny. But I mean, do you think that that that's similar or or not similar? Yeah, I, I I think it has a lot in common with Maximum Carnage and you know Maximum Clonage or you know at least that aspect of the Clone Saga. Like I wouldn't say this is like a good old fashioned Spider-Man team up or anything, but it does feel like you know those past team ups from the '90s, whether that's good or you know whether you enjoyed those or not. 
like this is what Spider-Man or Spider Allen feels like. Yeah, because they do, they, 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 you know, some of those tie-in books, it does kind of remind me of, of Maximum Carnage where, you know, everybody's book who was poorly selling at the time kind of had to make a guest appearance in Maximum Carnage. It's like, you know, Cap's book wasn't selling that well, and it was like Deathlock and Iron Fist and, you know, all those guys. So they, they kind of showed up to help fight Carnage, you know, or whatever. And in this case, you've got guys that, you know, I, I did keep thinking that, uh, you know, like Cloak and Dagger and Shang-Chi and... And those guys, you know, they, they probably couldn't sell a book on their own without Spider Island, like, stamped on the front of it, you know. I getcha, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty, you know, fun for the most part. I don't know, I, I guess it just seems like, a, like, Dan, like, it's a fun overall package, but, like, uh, with a few exceptions, like, Dan Slott does things to characters that I like that don't sit right with me. Do you think, much. like, you know how you said you read it? sort of like, you know, you burn stole some of it, like with the floppies from, from month to month. And then you, you got the hardcover and your opinion changed. Like, do you just think that that's the, the way you read it or, or was there something else that changed in between that time where you, where you picked up the hardcover and you read the floppies? I don't know. I guess it was like, you know, it's, it's sort of like if I can read like the whole, if the whole is strong, but like there is a couple like, you know, inconsistencies that nag at me, I'm okay. But like all the inconsistencies in a row, like seemed, I don't know. uh, It just kind of kept building on me. Like, like for an, for an example, like I really, I like Julia Carpenter as like, you know, Spider Woman or whatever. Like I, she's my Spider Woman and you know, this whole, she's Madam Web now thing. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. But you know, it seemed like in every part of Spider Island, she shows up and she was like, Spider-Man, you know, you mustn't do this. And Spider-Man's like, why not? And she's like, I can't tell you, you know? (laughs) And then like, she shows up and she comes back and she's like, oh, I was wrong about that last thing, but now you can't do this. And Spider-Man's like do you have any useful information for me so i don't know just stuff like that that annoys me whereas like it it seems like he has no idea what to do with this character so he just kind of makes it like you know a big joke or something yeah i can see that definitely um but stuff like that like it just seemed to add up like it just kept like a instead of like decreasing my annoyance it just kept adding to it when i read it all in a row so does that uh do you think something like that i'm just kind of going to move the conversation to a, a different character but probably you know may have the same type of uh you know correlation to the same topic but what, what did you think of of mary jane's inclusion in the whole spider island thing i know i know it's funny for me because i finally got up to the famous, famous. you know shared a toothbrush scene you know and i know we were laughing <laughs> about that on the the previous podcast because it sounded funny to us and everything but um i, I mean for me i i, I just want to say that like i think the part that I liked the most was not, not that she got spider powers and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but I, I kind of like that moment where, where Peter saves the day and she kind of says, I love you under her breath. And he's kind of like, what, huh? You know, and just kind of goes back to saving the day or whatever. Like, uh, like certain things like that, I kind of enjoyed. And, uh, you know, I, I guess some things like, you know, when, when they went out of their way to make Spider-Man quote unquote single, but, 
then they kind of saddle him with a girlfriend that's a steady girlfriend eventually. Like, you kind of wonder, like, what's the point of all that flim flannery <laughs> yeah. if they were just going to, you know, try to settle him with, with you know, you know, quote unquote, the perfect woman or, you know, whether whether you buy that or not. But, uh, you know, like, I, I enjoyed seeing uh, seeing Mary Jane in the crossover um, but I was just curious, like what your, your thoughts were on, on seeing Mary Jane, like if you liked it, if you didn't like it, if you felt like it was a, you know, a cock tease where it's like, oh, if you're just going to have her, you know, have Peter with Carly Sue, why are you torturing all these, these fans of the marriage by, you know, rubbing their nose in it, you know, constantly, or, you know, I'm just curious about what your guys' thoughts on that are. I, I I liked Mary Jane's role in this just because you know like for very a very long time like I I'll I'll always you know prefer them like together or whatever but like for a very long time you know obviously writers would just use her as like you know oh Mary Jane's waiting at home and she's worried and you know maybe she'll start smoking again maybe not you know we don't know yeah. but it's like they couldn't they didn't know what to do with her kind of so but you know. I, I kind of liked that she, like, got to go out and, like, kick ass and, like, be like, oh, I finally get what, you know, why Spider, like, you know, why Peter gets a kick out of this, you know, and, you know, I finally get all the responsibility he must feel and all that. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, like you said, it's kind of like, well, if you're doing all this, you know, but Peter's just going to go right back home to, you know, Carly Sue or whatever and, you know... I guess they break up at the end of it, whatever. But, you know, he, she's right back in the story the next issue. So you're like, oh, well, I guess she's not going anywhere. So what was the point of all that MJ, you know, teasing? I, I think me and Mike might have talked about this before, but I'm, I'm kind of the opinion, like, if you're going to go to the trouble and break up Peter and Mary Jane, whether she dies on an exploding airplane or it's, you know, mystical mumbo-jumbo, like, if you're going to break them up, then just take that character and send her on a bus or something for a little while. Like let let Peter like live without her or something. Like I think it is kind of a tease to just constantly have Mary Jane like hanging out and you know like oh she's she's even friends with Carly Sue. How about yeah, that? Yeah, I was like, gonna the, hang I, out. That, that one comic where he's like my my Peter Parker sense is tingling because you're like oh shit two of my ex-girlfriends are gonna start swapping stories about me or whatever you know yeah but like I think you know they should just kind of either get rid of Mary Jane for a little while like not kill her just send her somewhere like you know make her go back to being modeling full-time or something but you know just just do one or the other like don't don't just, you know, constantly have her there as a reminder of like, hey, remember when they were married? Well, guess what? They're not. <laughs> well, what was it? Back in like the 70s or whatever. She was gone from the books for like five or six years, wasn't she? Yeah. Like after she he asked her to marry him the first time. Well, she, like... they, 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 she was she was around for a little while after that. Like it was like kind of awkward like it is now where it's like I think I think Betty comes back. And like she's she's married to Ned, but they're like they're they had a falling out or something. So it's like it was yeah. this really awkward period where like Peter was kind of going out with a married woman and Mary Jane at the same time. But then Mary Jane turned down his proposal, and then it it kind of reminds me. It's kind of similar to this, where like Carly Sue and Mary Jane are like, let's be friends, you know, and Betty and Mary Jane are like, let's <laughs> let's talk shit about Peter and be friends, you know. Or whatever. <laughs> You know, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying though. Eventually, there was a point where 
you know, like I guess Peter was quote unquote single and Mary Jane was out of the picture long enough that he eventually, you know, kind of has a, a more steady thing going on with Black Cat. You know, so it's like there was a period where, you know, wh whether, you, you know, they sent her to Florida or wherever the hell she was modeling, you know, like things like that. It's like they always had her go off to hang out with Aunt Anna, you know, in Florida. And then it's like she'd be out of the comic for a couple of years. So, you know, you, I guess what Justin's saying is put her on a bus to Florida and, you know, give the guy some breathing room or whatever, or, you know, but to me, like, uh, I guess I'd take it a step further is if, if you're going to give the guy breathing room, then it doesn't matter if you put Mary Jane on a bus. Like, it doesn't matter if you go through all that trouble, if you're just going to fill the Mary Jane slot with somebody else, you know, because then, then what's the point? It's like, if you went through all that trouble to protect his family and Mary Jane and all that stuff, doesn't Carly Sue now knowing his identity put her in all the same risk and all the same danger and all the same peril that was the big giant dilemma the first time, you know, like it just seems like, you know, and I get that it's a comic and it's a silical thing and all that stuff. But it's like, if, if the guy's supposed to be like, you know, you know, super responsible, he could either just be a monk, you know, with his La Cucaracha hat that Justin has here. And he can just, <laughs> he can just sing guitar to himself, you know, or, you know, or, or, you know, the, the other person, you know, has to be understanding of that, you know, and it's like, oh, well, if Mary Jane couldn't do it, you know, it's like, well, it doesn't look like Carly Sue's willing to do it either, you know, so I don't know. I'm really hopeful that during this new, like, Sinister Six, you know, tries to destroy the world storyline that's going on now, I really hope, like, Dr. Octopus puts, like, a bomb on Carly and she explodes or something. Like, <laughs> I, I really don't like that character. I kind of so. hope that that version of Dr. Octopus also explodes himself. <laughs> you know, and then and then there'll be, like, another, you know, either, it can be the tubby Ock or the, the, the cool in a suit Eric Larson Ock, but he can be off yeah, in, a, in an office in an office somewhere with a uh, a detonator switch or something, you know, like, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I think that new arc looks kind of, you don't, funny. you don't like eight legged walking turd. Arc. No, I guess I'm not a fan of that. Arc, so I'm, I'm kind of like, what, what? Yeah. But, um, so I don't know. Um, I, I guess we're, we're kind of talking about some new Spider-Man stuff along with, uh, with spider Island. Um, you know, the, the only other things that, that I have to add to what was already said um, was that, uh, I mean, as far as like a final word on uh, Mary Jane, I think it's funny that, that uh, and I brought this up to you guys before, but it seems like whenever Mary Jane's on screen, um, they, they always have to have some other character like comment on how super, super duper, super duper hot she is. And like, I get that Mary Jane's supposed to be, like, you know, a supermodel. But, like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I can't, I, no matter what the mystical mumbo-jumbo was that was done, that their marriage doesn't exist, it's always going to creep me out when Ben Grimm's like, boy, you a spider-woman, mm-mm, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, Ben, what are you doing? Like, you know, and it's like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just kind of like, isn't Alicia in the other room? Like, what's going on? And like, I don't know. It just, it just, it, I don't know. It just seemed like weird. Like, like, and then I think there was like another scene where like Glory Grant's going out with her boyfriend and they go to the, like the Vultures Club and then they, they see Mary Jane there 
dancing with all these yahoos. And, you know, Glory Grant's kind of like, put your eyes back in your head, like, you know, stop drooling, you know, kind of thing. But I'm just kind of like, okay, like, Mary Jane's a supermodel. Okay, I get it. Like, but I'm kind of like, Glory Grant was a model, too. Like, and this guy's going out with her, and he obviously digs her. Like, I don't know. It just seemed, like, weird, like, where they, it's like, they have to, like, overcompensate. It's, like, kind of like, dude, she's hot. I get it. Like, you don't have to, like, have 20 other guys, you know? There's also that scene where, like, Steve Rogers sees her, and he goes to, like, Peter, that's one fine piece of tail, mister. Yeah, you know, he's just kind of like, dude, like, Cap, what are you doing? It's like, you expect uh, Jay Jonah to be like, yeah, Marla's only been dead for uh, five weeks. Damn that MJ, she's smoking hot. You know, and you're just kind of like, come on, guys, like, this is weird. Like, I don't know, it's weird to me, so I just I just thought I'd bring it up as, as something that's kind of awkward. And then, um, you know, there, there's been some stuff I mentioned that I thought was, like, funny in terms of Spider-Man, where, you know, like, yeah. like Kane was kind of doing his walloping web snappers thing, and that kind of made me laugh. And, you know, there were, there, were, there were a couple other things, I think, like, where, you know, uh, like, I, I guess it's not a Spider-Man line, but it kind of cracked me up when, uh, you know, everybody's naked after they all get de-spidered, you know, uh, from the Spider Island stuff. And uh, there's that scene where gravity's like, pants, we need pants for Hercules, you know, because <laughs> all naked and stuff. Like, so there's there's some funny, funny things like that that came up. But, um, you know, uh, on the, the converse side of it, um, like, there's like some weird lines where like people constantly say like, gee, you don't want to tell lame jokes like Spider-Man or boy, Spider-Man, your jokes are lame, or, I I don't know, there, there seems to be this big thing of, like, that's their, their, you know, catch-all for writing shitty jokes. Like, it's like, oh, we're not clever enough to write funny jokes, so we'll just have all these other characters spout about how lame Spider-Man's jokes are, and I don't know, for me, I was always like, I liked when Spider-Man made me laugh, like, I don't... I don't think of yeah. his jokes as lame. My fans expect a certain amount of quippage in every battle. So I, I, I'm kind of like, if Spider-Man's jokes are lame, that's because you, the writer, are lame. You know, like, because you, you couldn't come up with anything clever or yeah. funny or whatever. So I kind of, like, that. that's sort of, like, disappointing to me. Like, where it's like, you know, and, and it doesn't matter to me, like, and it's kind of, what's weird about it is, you know, the examples we've given with, like, Kane and even Jackal or gravity or whatever it's like you can see like there's some you know he's a funny guy like he can come up with some stuff so i don't see why you know it's like you know i think even hobgoblin in the spider girl miniseries is like don't make lame jokes like spider-man you know spider girl and it's just kind of like i don't know to me i'm always kind of like since when i mean i know i know there's definitely been issues of spider-man where the jokes have been lame but you know so i'm not gonna say like since when have they been lame but it's like i just wish that you know by default it'd be something that cracked me up you know whether it's you know calling kingpin you know shamu or you know just something that makes me laugh my ass off as opposed to something where i'm kind of like you know he's like i think uh one of my my buddy's favorite lame spider-man jokes is i think he was fighting carnage and he's like, okay, snacky, like, I'm getting ready to take you down. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, and, and like, and like, I think even Carnage is like, snacky, man, you're just not funny. And it's like, how, <laughs> yeah. how, how low is it when like Carnage tells Spider-Man that he's unfunny, you know, like, kind of <laughs> like, oh, geez, that's, that's pretty bad. But, um, yeah. I like Wallop and Web Snappers. I think if they ever do like a 
Kane, Peter Parker team-up book, it should be called Wallop and Web Wallop Snappers. And <laughs> That's all. I think it should be called Parker Brothers. <laughs> I did. I liked that line when they're swinging off into yeah. the night. Peter's like, Parker Brothers, away! No, one thing I did want to mention before we go on to another topic is one thing I think will not last and will probably is probably not used by any other writer, and I think even Dan Slott's even forgotten about it by now, is that Spider-Man knows Kung Fu now, thanks to Shang-Chi. <laughs> like, yeah. it seems like, you know, when he, he goes crazy on, like, uh, Kane and, like, Monster Kane and beats the crap out of him because, like, his spider sense comes back and he's like, it's working in perfect tandem with my Kung Fu, you know? But, like, it's, it's, I was like... Spider-Fu. They, they perfected a special, a special Kung Fu just for <laughs> Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure, like, this came up in, like, I think in Peter David's Friendly Neighborhood uh, Spider-Man run where uh, Captain America was like, you know, you know, you're a great fighter, but you should, like, I should teach you some actual, like, fighting techniques because that would, like, you know, then you'd be, like, doubly a great fighter. And Peter Parker was like, oh, yeah, cool, so let's do that. But, like, you know, it doesn't ever seem to, like, stick or anything, so... I just I I always kind of took it as like Spider-Man has his own innate fighting style, which I don't think has ever really been accurately portrayed in the movies or anything. But like just that, that there's like some kind of spider-like way that he already fights, you know. And it's it's it, you know you could chalk it up to the spider sense or whatever. I mean, I suppose I could buy the logic that you know he was without his spider sense, and so to make up for not having that natural sense, you know, he he tried to you know learn some martial arts or something to to sort of you know make up for that that handicap, I guess. But to me, I'm kind of like, well, once he's got his spider sense and he's got all his spider agility, they seem to, to me, they always seem to go tandem, you know, like without the spider sense, his spider agility is weakened and all that kind of stuff, you know. So I I, I don't know. I always just kind of thought he had his own fighting style, like to try to teach him something. It's like, yeah, he could learn something, but like kind of like like even what I think uh, Shang-Chi says is like, we can't just teach you normal Kung Fu. It's like, it's got to be some kind of, you know, spider foo or whatever, like, to, to <laughs> apply to you, you know, like, but, eh, I don't know, like, like you said, it's like, um, unless, uh, Kane needs those, uh, those web stingers, it's like, it's not like, uh, they're ever gonna bring up, uh, you know, stingers and organic webbing and all that stuff again. Well, what do you call, what? Kane, it, it's brought up in Kane, Scarlet Spider, at least. Yeah. Because I yeah. guess, I guess the explanation, which I guess you only get if you follow Twitter, uh, like Dan Slott's Twitter, is that you know when Kane was cured or rejuvenated, uh, he like when he was brought back from the dead, he went through like the same other transformation as Peter did when he died. So Kane has all of Peter like the other powers now, like the stingers and the organic webbing. And the night vision and the talking to spiders or whatever. Yeah, but then so, when that new Captain Marvel number one comes out and it's not the Scarlet Spider, you're going to know that, that Dan Slot lied to you on the Twitter. So. Exactly. Because <laughs> yes. Twitter is canon now, except when it's not. Yeah, except when it's not. Except when people are full of crap on Twitter. <laughs> cool. So I guess, I, I mean, unless anybody else has anything to add, I guess we'll move on to, uh, to the next... Uh, you know, spidery topic, which is going to be a favorite Spider-Man villain. Where'd you come from? Mother Russia. 
By way of Mother Africa! Two moms and still so ill-behaved? So, uh, favorite Spider-Man villain. So Spider-Man has a lot of, uh, pretty much, well, uh, I guess I'd say, uh, he's got a lot of animal-themed villains, you know, and different guys that he's fought over the years, and, uh, you know... Obviously, uh, you know, there, there's awesome, wonderful guys like the Big Wheel, but we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, <laughs> our favorite uh, villains and stuff like that. So, you know, who knows? It might be the Big Wheel for somebody out there. Um, but uh, it might be the Big Wheel or, you know, Hypno Hustler, you know, any of those like top tier Spider-Man villains. The Spot! So, uh, <laughs> you know. But, um, yeah, so we're just going to talk about our favorite Spider-Man villain, the one who we, I guess, like the most, uh, you know, kind of think is the best villain for Spidey. Um, I guess I'll start off with Justin, since I started off with Mike the last time. But, uh, you know, uh, who who is your favorite Spider-Man villain, Justin? Like, who do you like the best out of Spider-Man's cadre of, uh, of baddies? Well, I kind of went off the rails with this one, because my favorite villain is not really someone Spider-Man actually gets into fist fights with but i picked jay jonah jameson as my favorite villain because i hate that guy i can't stand him <laughs> like you know i think we me and you like derek we were talking about you know eric larson mentioning how he would kill jameson and like i'm i'm rereading like the first like 50 issues of amazing spider-man and like i i totally see now why he wants to kill jay jonah jameson because he's just such a uh, like I just want to like I just want to like swear for like five minutes about how much I how much he rips me the wrong way. Like I know he's written that way, to, you know, just to be a bad guy. But <laughs> when he says stuff like, "Of course, Electro Spider Man, it all makes sense," <laughs> you, know, <he's> like, <laughs> you know, like somebody around him is like, "But you know, JJ, you can't say that. You have no proof. Well, it's my paper. I can write whatever I want while I own it." Like. You know, Spider-Man is Electro. Print it. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know he's kind of like, he's not that bad now these days. You know, he's a mayor and all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, like, I, I really, I don't like Jameson. I've never liked him. I don't. I never liked him in the cartoon series or anything. And, you know, I, I'm completely aware you're not supposed to like that character. You know, he's just there to antagonize Spider-Man and, you know, to, to create more problems, you know, whether it's to create the Scorpion or, you know, you know, have some spider split slayers, you know, come after him or, you know, have a reward for his identity and all that stuff. You know, he's he's just there to create drama and tension and all that stuff. And I'm I'm certainly aware of that, but man, like when they when they wanted to create a character you're supposed to hate, like they succeeded. Like I I can't stand Jameson. Look! Spider-Man really is the thief. Oh great. Jameson will probably be selling Spider-Man really is the thief t-shirts by noon tomorrow. I think like, in the first, I don't know, 20 issues or so of Savage Dragon, uh, Larson made this pastiche character that I guess hated the Savage Dragon. And I think his name was like Frederick Farswell Farnsworth or something. You know, basically he was like <laughs> FFF or whatever instead of JJJ. But I guess I think after the first time he sent a dragon slayer after the dragon, it's like I guess the dragon, you know, beats up the dragon slayer. And he's like, oh, you can't come in here. This is my paper and blah, 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 blah. I think he, like, punches him in the face. And he's like, okay, you're under arrest. Like, I'm locking you up, like, forever. And then that was, like, the end of it. Because that was kind of, I guess, Larson's take on it. It was like, he would have gone to jail after that first Spider Slayer. And that'd be it, you know, or whatever. (laughs) 
But, um, you know, I mean, me, I, I guess I have more of a soft spot for JJ just because I, I guess kind of like Mike said, the, how he kind of like reads the issues of, of Spider-Man where Flash Thompson does all the cool, good shit. You know, I'm kind of reminded <laughs> of the issues where, you know, it's like, oh, Betty Brant's in the hospital or whoever, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, spare no expense for Betty. Like, like we're calling out all the specialists and medical doctors because I want her to be cured or like when Robbie's in jail you know, because he, he had the thing going on with Tombstone. It was like, you know, it seems like when the shit really, really hits the fan, you know, JJ's like, okay, call in the best lawyers we got. Like, spend all the money at the Daily Bugle. Like, Robertson is my, you know, best friend, and he's my editor-in-chief, and, you know, we're not letting them go down without a fight type thing. And so I always kind of respected, like, those kind of hardcore, you know, shit hits the fan moments with JJ. But I get, I get why, you know, people are like, Oh, the spider slayers and, you know, uh, uh, scorpion and, and flies, you know, human flies and all that stuff, you know, don't, don't, it doesn't really, uh, you know, I guess that's not equitable, you know, to some people and stuff like that. So I totally, I totally get that too. So I, I do dig like in a nice tiny bit of characterization in the first Spider-Man movie, where, you know, the goblin's holding Jameson and asking who takes, you know, Spider-Man's pictures, and Jameson says, I don't know, he come, you know, the pictures come in the mail, like, you know, that's like, I think that's always a good sign of, like, you know, them, someone knowing, like, what makes Jonah, like, tick, pretty much, that he's actually, you know, got a decent streak in him, you know, somewhere underneath all the, you know, unlikability. All the all the hemming and hawing, you know. Some of it's <laughs> just for, some of it's just for show, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Like as far as like you know, really for reals, you know, villains. Like I always kind of like Craven, you know. I I always have like a soft spot for any kind of like jungle hero, whether it's Tarzan or you know, you know, Bomba the Jungle Boy or Kazar or whoever. But you know, I like I like Craven quite a bit, and I think I think any kind of like you know guy who can like you know. Bristle a lion, you know, it has to be like a, a good match for Spider-Man. But you know, just any, you know, like I said, I have kind of a spot, soft spot for any kind of guy like that. And I remember the, like I, uh, I, I remember the old uh, superhero showdown boards on Wizard World, and I just remember like Craven was one of those guys. Everybody was like, he's the shit because that was, you know, you always would have pictures of guys versus other guys, and like, you know, they kind of, they kind of make these. Uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, an appreciation thread on, like, how badass this guy is or whatever. But, you know, you, you always had those fun moments of, like, here's the, the moment where Craven, like, you know, keeps up with the beast. Or here's the moment where, you know, Craven, you know, takes down a lion or, you know, wrestles uh, the lizard or, you know, what, whatever it is that he did that everybody, you know, totally digs. You know, it's like there was, like, lots of cool moments for uh, for Craven, I guess, during the years of his uh you know, but I guess uh, you know before he uh, shotgunned himself and all that stuff. <laughs> and then came back. And then came back. Because I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't. It's like he's back and he's exactly the same as he was before. Like you know. <laughs> okay, whatever. Remember Craven? He's back in bog form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny because like you know that whole storyline like the Grim Hunt or whatever, it seems like they got like they could have done something with that whole like you know Craven clan or whatever, but instead they just killed like everyone off and brought like they I guess they just wanted to consolidate it. 
Yeah, it seemed like they could have gone the route of like the whole Hulk family thing, where you could have had like this whole uh, this whole group of Cravens out to <laughs> hunt down people, you know, make it a family business or something. But yeah, okay. I guess. Yeah, I guess out of all the really for reals villains, like I'd probably go with Craven. Like I like other guys too, like Vulture. I like Vulture quite a bit, and I also like Electro. And I know you guys may not like this, but I kind of dig Sandman as a bad guy. Like I know you guys really like him as you know a good guy in Avenger, but I don't know. I like I like Sandman fighting Spider-Man, but you know, and and I guess you know I have to throw in the Green Goblin, but you know I I kind of think. You know, mostly due to some recent comics where he's always fighting the Avengers for whatever stupid reason. Like, I kind of think the Green Goblin's a little bit overrated these days. He's played out. Mm-hmm. And apparently... He's, he's, not, he's, he's not even the Green Goblin anymore. He's, he's like, the Purple you know, Hulk. <laughs> yeah, the Purple Hulk, yeah. He's, no, it's like, well, he's, he's the, Norman Osborn. He's now. the Fruit it's of like, the Loom Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like it seems the Norman Osborn persona has outweighed the Green Goblin now. Yeah. So he's like he's Kingpin Light again. I I really hope that once Bendis leaves the Avengers, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but I hope once he leaves, like no future Avengers writer is going to have Norman fighting the Avengers. Like, I hope he can go back to being a Spider-Man villain. Like, I know that's going to be kind of a downgrade for him, maybe, since he's, you know, he's with Hammer and he's fighting the Avengers, and he's going to go back to fighting Spider-Man, but I I want him to be downgraded back to Spider-Man villain. Like, that's that's what I like, and that's what I appreciate. Maybe maybe we could get Doctor Strange to hold a seance, and everybody can forget about all that Dark <laughs> Avenger bullshit and stuff. Yeah. They can forget that uh, that uh, Sandman's cornrows and Norman's cornrows make them cousins or whatever. <laughs> secret, secret, cousin. secret cousins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so Mike, then how about you? Uh, who who would you say is your uh, your favorite Spidey villain? Well, my absolute favorite Spider-Man villain is the original Hobgoblin. Uh, retroactively, Roderick Kingsley. <laughs> Uh, like I, I never really like the, the, the back issue, back issues I originally got as a kid, like they, they always did like make a big deal of like, you know, who's this guy? It's the hobgoblin. And, you know, like they always had those scenes where it was, you know, the hobgoblin and his civilian identity, but they'd always like shadow his face and like, you know, he'd go out for a walk or something and they'd be like, who is this guy? You know? And yeah, you, like, you'd always, you'd always run into Mary Jane and be like, yeah. And you're like, on? Oh, he knows Mary Jane. So that, like, narrows it down to, like, eight people, you know? <laughs> eight million like, people in clubs all across like New York. It, it could be Ned Leeds or Lance Bannon or J. J. Jonah Jameson or or even Roderick Kingsley because she worked for Roderick Kingsley. Yeah. But, you know... But, um, like, so it, it wasn't so much a big deal to me, like, knowing who he was, because I just thought it was, like, he was cool. Like, you know, I, I just thought the guy flying on the little bat glider with all the weapons and stuff was cool. And, like, I, I don't know, like, I always used to think, like, if we, like, when I was a like, kid and my cousins, like, if we played, like, you know, Spider-Man, I'd be like, I'll be the Hobgoblin, you know, I'll be the villain with all the, the finger blasters and the pumpkin bombs and the razor, the, like, little batarangs he throws and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that, that, that seemed like a cool gimmick. And, you know, I, 
I always loved his costume. Like, I always loved that thing where, like, someone's wearing a hood or a helmet and, like, you know, they shadow the face so you can only see their eyes. So, like, they, they did that a lot with the Hobgoblin. So I always thought that looked, like, extra, like, badass and stuff. And, you know, when I, I finally found out, like, like years and years after I had read all those back issues that, um... Well, it's a funny story. I, I asked my cousin, who wasn't really too big into Spider-Man. Well, he was a big comic book guy, but he wasn't so familiar with, like, Spider-Man. I was like, hey, who who was the Hobgoblin? He was like, I think he he turned out to be some dude like uh, Harry Oswald or something. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> but, like, he finally gave me a trading card of the Hobgoblin, and it was like, oh, Ned Leeds was the original Hobgoblin. And I'm like wait a minute, Ned Leeds? And, like, I look, like, I, I had some, like, reprints of the original, like, the first, like, 20 or 20-something issues of Spider-Man, and I was like, oh, Ned Leeds is, like, you know, that old reporter guy, you know, that Betty was, like, dating. I was like, he always seemed like such a nice man, you know? I, why, how could he <laughs> you know? It's like such a it, May would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was, was such a nice boy, Peter. How did he get those pumpkin bombs? <laughs> awful hobgoblin. That Otto Octavius is such a nice man. Thank you, madam. Yeah. And, J- and Jameson's like, the hobgoblin is Spider-Man. Why can't anyone see that? <laughs> it's obvious. It's obvious. I, I don't know. So, like, when when that like Hobgoblin Lives like story uh, miniseries came out by Roger Stern, and like it, it was like you know the Hobgoblin wasn't Ned Leeds, and like here's who he really is. And then I was like, oh okay, you know that kind of makes that like the Ned Leeds thing never sat right with me, just because I always was like, yeah, I thought Ned Leeds was a good guy, and that was before I like again kind of like with Flash Thompson, before I like read all the appearances where he was a total like douchebag and like you know he almost hit betty and you know he was just a big jerk and stuff but you know once i read more about like roderick kingsley and stuff i was like okay yeah i can see this dude being you know this evil asshole so and uh you know um he hasn't appeared too much since his like real legitimate identity like was revealed like he had that like they had that one storyline where he actually met like Norman face to face and that, that yeah. was kind of cool, but it seemed a little like uh short, I guess. I think it was only like three issues. So I thought there was going to be like more after that. Cause he just kind of retires to the Caribbean after that. And you know, the next time he shows up, he gets beheaded by Phil Urich. So. Yeah. The only, the only other thing that he did of note was in like that alternate, you know, he, he, he in the spider girl thing where it he, seemed like he was still, retired in the caribbean but he came out of retirement for spider girl yeah he, he was pretty badass in that actually yeah yeah like, i i, I kind of like the the like tom defalco's kind of stuff with the history of uh spidey and that you know like so that was pretty cool i mean i i, I don't want to steal too much thunder from this but we we are kind of secret brothers because the hobgoblin was you know going to be my pick too for favorite you know spider-man villain i think i think my like stems from imprinting on the action figure, you know, because that was uh, an action figure from the Marvel Superhero Secret Wars line, and that was something that was pretty hard to find, I guess, and I think my aunt sent it to me in the mail or whatever, and so I always kind of liked the way his glider looked, and, you know, you could snap it together, and, you know, I thought he was a pretty cool-looking dude, and he was, of course, in all the 
the early issues of Spider-Man that I was reading, and then I sort of went out of my way to get the back issues. I think at that point, the first appearance of the Hobgoblin was only like $5, but to me it was like a big deal. It's like, oh, I have to spend $5 to buy this, you know, like <laughs> like it was a huge deal and stuff, and I was just, you know, reading the story and everything and getting into it and stuff like that. So I, I've always liked, uh, you know, Hobgoblin, and I guess, I guess by default, you know, I'd have to specify, you know, the original Hobgoblin, which I guess, you know, like you say, retroactively is Roderick Kingsley, you know, um, but... I, I guess I can see why, like, Phil Urich and, and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, was, was, did what he did to the original Hobgoblin only because kind of like, I guess once Hobgoblin Lives came out and you know who he is, then it kind of takes away some of that mystique to the character, I guess. You know, it's like, well, what, what, le- what mystery is left there, I guess. Doesn't this Kingsley guy own a perfume company? How does he fit in? And so in some sense, yeah. you know, like, you know, because too many people knew who he was and that kind See, of thing. See, so. I think, though, like, a golden opportunity was missed there to, like, like well, I, I'm still holding out that either, A, it wasn't Kingsley or it was his, like, brother in the costume uh, that okay. he sent, or B... Um, it, it's going to turn out to be like one of Yurik's like hallucinations or something, and it like turns out like Kingsley maneuvered him into being like the new Hobgoblin, so he has another dupe, another, you know, another like, out there. Yeah. So that that would be I I would like forgive Dan Slott if that turned out to be the case, but I don't know. Like the the thing, one of the things I loved about like the Hobgoblin was that he had like all these like dupes and counterplans, yeah, and yeah. you know. Once, like, Roger Stern tied it all together, it was like, you know, this asshole got away with it. You yeah. know, he was a supervillain. He killed all these people. He, like, tried to, like, topple the kingpin, and he got away with it for so long. Yeah. So I was like, that's pretty badass. But, you know, as soon as he comes back, you know, it turns out, like, I guess, like, it says, like, Norman Osborn, like, cleaned him out or whatever, and he's a loser now. And he, you know, he comes back on the scene, and then he dies. And I was like, oh, come on. You know, it's like, it's like any kind of coolness or even after like the mystique like you said the mystique was stripped out of him any kind of coolness he had left was sort of drained yeah drained away yeah yeah and then like i was saying with phil urich the cool thing i liked about him was that he was like a green goblin who like got to like keep his sanity and stuff and then that was stripped away from him so that's is like that's why i was saying it was kind of a no win situation for me cuz you took like the two aspects of both characters i liked away from me so well, it seems that's like, why it could... seems like that was done in that that losers mini series too right <laughs> losers you know, more than just uh just you know you could pin the blame on spider-man but but that that losers miniseries seemed to mess up uh that character as well yeah i like i was i guess after that i was kind of hoping it'd be reversed or something but then it was just like it was set that path was set upon so yeah it was like bone claws like they're irreparably retconnable permanently or whatever you know uh, and as as an honorable mention, I'd probably say I, I really like the Harry Osborn Green Goblin too. Yeah, because yeah. I I always like I always think like the old adage is true is that like those you love can hurt you like the most pretty much. And you know like when you when you're best friend or something like you know if you, when you have a tiff with your best friend, it really like it stings. And you know 
Peter and Harry really like hated each other there for like a long, long time. And, you know, it, it, it just seemed, it, it seemed like really raw. And I, I, re- I actually think like, you know, the best scene in an otherwise pretty bad film, Spider-Man three is when Peter and Harry like go at it in the like penthouse. Like that's, that seemed like really like raw. And, you know, you get the feeling that, you know, these guys have like, you know, they're like tangled up with each other, like their emotions and stuff. And like, uh, what do you call it? Just it just seemed really personal between them. So like a se- exceptionally personal yeah. like that, you know, nerves are like shot and you know. So I I always enjoyed like you know the J- how Jam uh, Demetrius uh, like handled Harry and stuff and that. So he's probably my second favorite. Cool. So like I I I don't like mellow. Uh, Harry Rosenborn in the current comics right now that much so yeah yeah it seems like he kind of I guess because Norman is back and also I think because of characters like Menace it seems like he gets the short end of the stick like the the only thing I I can think where I really enjoyed it was I think it was like I want to say it was like I can't remember who it was but like some some supervillain came to a costume party that he was at or something like that and sort of threatened him or whatever. And uh, and then there was, like, this cool scene where after the party, he, like, tracks the guy down and kicks his ass and is basically like, I'll do whatever it takes to, you know, protect my son, you know, or whatever, and, like, kicks the guy's ass, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, like, I, I that there was that American Son miniseries where, uh, what's-his-face, uh, Gabriel Stacy, uh, Gwen Norman's uh, super-aged goblin baby or whatever, comes back, and, like, he gets, like, that American Son armor that Os- uh, Norman made for Harry. Okay. And, like, Har- Harry gets to, like, kick his ass to, like, be a badass and, like, kick his ass at the end, too, which was pretty cool, so... But yeah, so I'd say original Hobgoblin and Green Goblin, uh, Harry Osborn, Green Goblin are my top two. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I I love both those stories and characters and everything. So I totally uh, I totally dig those guys. And like I said for myself, I'm I'm Secret Brothers with Mike. So I I dig uh, I dig Hobgoblin a lot. And uh, so I guess you know I guess we already started talking about some stories that we sort of enjoy based on the favorite characters and stuff like that. Oh, I got the thing on the thing. What, what, what do I win? You. I win me? <laughs> that makes no sense. I'll just use this as an opportunity to uh, to plug my favorite top ten Spider-Man stories on um, the hocof.blogspot.com. You know, normally when the, the movies come out, you know, like Amazing Spider-Man has come out recently, um, I usually write a top ten list of, uh, you know, stories that I like the best. So I, I wrote my uh, top ten list. I mean, I could give you guys a sneak preview of it, and uh, and then, or if you want, you know, you could just read the list in its entirety on the, uh, the blog spot. And then, you know, other than that, I've probably got some... Um, you know, some favorite runner up type stories, but, uh, I'll let, I'll let Justin and Mike talk about some of their favorite stories first. And if we kind of share some of the same favorite stories, I'll just kind of chime in and and echo that. And then if not, I'll just kind of mention some of the, you know, maybe top three or whatever. So, uh, so Justin, uh, why don't you, uh, let us know, uh, like, I know you said you've been reading a lot of Spider-Man lately in preparation for this podcast, but, uh, I'm curious to hear what some of your favorite, uh, Spider-Man stories are. I 
Well, in talking with you, you and Mike, like recently, I kind of realized like I hadn't really read a lot of Spider-Man comics before like 1980. Like I'd read some of the the Lee and Ditko stuff when I was like in high school, and like maybe some of those key you know Green Goblin issues and um you know that that first you know initial story where the jackal clones you know Gwen and uh, Peter but other than that I haven't really read a whole lot of like pre you know 1980s Spider-Man comics so I've been trying to read some of this uh here the last week like I'm reading like the first 50 issues of Amazing Spider-Man and I really dig those and uh I guess like my favorite so far is I really like Craven's Last Time like I, I really dig that story and I hadn't read it until like probably earlier this week, like Monday or so. Oh wow! And I know that's a favorite of yours, Derek. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had never read that before, so I sat down and read it. You know, it's only like a six-issue uh, crossover through some you know various Spider-Man titles, but I, I really dug that. Like I liked kind of you know it, it has Craven in it, and I like Craven. I, I, you know, like I said, I like any kind of like jungle-esque guy, and I kind of like the fact that he. He has like this weird like Jekyll and Hyde thing going on where he's so insane and you know he's so determined to you know defeat Spider-Man and then take his place, but he also has like this kind of weird you know kind of sense of honor about him where he kind of like you know wants to have things on the even playing ground it seems or you know you know kind of like die with some kind of sense of honor when he finally kills himself. But I really dug that story and it had like a lot of great moments. I mean, just Spider-Man getting shot. And, you know, it just kind of goes to black. I'm just like, well, you know, he can't be dead. I mean, I know he doesn't die, but, like, what what happens after that? I mean, after he's shot, you know, what, what's Craven going to do? And then he buries him alive, and Peter's just basically buried alive for, like, what, uh, at least two issues or, like, an yeah. issue and a half or something? I'm like, man, like, is he ever going to get out of that? And then when they kind of go into Peter's mind, and he's, like, having these flashbacks, and he's, like, you know – trying to dig himself out of this, you know, grave where he's been buried alive in a coffin. And he, he finally breaks out. And he's like, Mary Jane. Kind of like, I have, I have flashbacks to like, the, you know, the guy, the voice actor saying, Mary Jane. In the cartoon. <laughs> but, Mary Jane. But, you know, he's like, Mary Jane, I love you. And then he finally makes his way back to her and he finds out Craven's, you know, took his place and is pretending, pretending to be him. And he's like, basically beat the crap out of Furman. And he's just so furious with that. I, I, I thought they had a really great showdown. And you had like this kind of like, you know, neat three-way battle between Craven and Vermin and Peter. Like that, I thought that was just a fantastic story. Like I really dug that. Yeah, and I think I think the thing for me was I guess that was something I read probably when I was first getting into comics. But back then, I mean, I guess just to set up the uh, the time frame for people. I mean, this was before the death of Superman and before. You know, like even the death of uh, Robin with Jason Todd, where he called in on that, you know, one nine hundred number and stuff like that. That was all. That was all before that. So, so you know, you didn't. I guess now it's kind of old hat where you know it's like nobody stays dead, but Uncle Ben and Bucky, and they came back too. You know, or whatever. It's like a lot of people are kind of, uh, you know, uh, pessimistic, or you know, the, the, you know, it's old hat when characters die and come back to life like there's no kind of uh you know 
suspension of disbelief when it comes to death in comics. But, you know, at that point in time, it was kind of like you're reading it and you're like, holy shit, did he just shoot Spider-Man? Like, you know, like you, you, you did back then, it was a little more, you know, kind of a, a more heavy scene, you know, not, not so much that you could be like, oh yeah, he's fine. He's cool. You know, like, can, can I, can I ask something Derek? Yeah. Uh, I know like the story's called like Craven's last hunt usually for marketing, but I know the proper title is what fearful symmetry. Yeah. Like yeah. was, was it actually like titled Craven's last hunt when it was first released or did like, did, did everyone know that he was going to die at the end or? I don't think so. I think it was a surprise to everybody. Like, I think, I think everybody knew it was a, you know, it was billed as like a six part storyline, but I don't, I don't think I expected Craven to like pull the trigger, but I don't, I don't think like, again, it wasn't like, even, even though previews probably existed back then, I don't, I don't think it was as detailed as, you know how like now you can get online spoilers and you pretty much know, it's like if it came out today, you'd probably know Craven was going to die even before six issues came out or something, you know, and solicitation or something. But like with, with this, you know, it was kind of like you could still be sort of surprised at stuff. So, I mean, as far as me reading it, I remember like I, I read it mostly at like seven elevens and stuff. And so, like, I kind of remember being surprised because, you know, for me, like, like this was kind of even before, like, stuff like the killing joke or whatever. So, like, it was kind of heavy to see, you know, a dude, like, stick a shotgun in his mouth and or a rifle in his mouth and, you know, blow his head off, you know, like, because it wasn't like your typical kind of, you know, it it seemed like like this was the point where all that grim and gritty stuff that, you know, Alan Moore and, and Frank Miller had done, you know, it started seeping over into you know, mainstream comics and stuff like that, you know? So it's like, this was actually kind of a heavy, you know, like it, this was something that would have been a graphic novel maybe five years ago. Cause the subject matter was probably too heavy, you know? Um, yeah. but, but, you know, as far as like, I guess what you're asking, it's like, I don't think I expected him to do that. Like I just kind of was reading it, the story and just went, Whoa, holy shit. You know, like, Cool. So I, yeah, I totally dig uh, Craven's Last Hunt a lot too. I like I like Mike Zek's pencils a lot, and you know, JM has always been a good uh, Spider-Man writer. Um, is there any other kind of you know comics or storylines that you want to mention as far as uh, favorite Spider-Man stuff, Justin? Um, I'll just mention that uh, I really dig the whole run of Untell Tales of Spider-Man. Um, it's only like uh, like twenty-four issues and maybe two annuals. But I really dig that whole run, and it's you know it's Kurt Busiek, so he's he's a real stickler for continuity, which I really like. And I, I think if you sort it out all, you know, line it all up with continuity and everything, you can you can read an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, where you know Peter breaks his glasses or whatever, and then you can read an issue of Untold Tales of Spider-Man, where it basically directly follows that, and you know, Peter's like. Gosh, I haven't bought any new glasses. I don't really need to because you know I've got spider eyes now, or you know whatever. And that kind of explains why he never bought you know new glasses in the original run. But I, I really dig that whole run, and you know there there are a few more villains like you know Batwing and you know some other guys in there. But like it, it's a really great run, and I can remember just you know I just like the fact that when I was buying it, you know originally off the news rack, like it was only like ninety nine cents. That was really great. Yeah, yeah I, I I really dig that annual where uh, Spider-Man and Sue Storm go on a date, 
And then, like, Johnny Storm goes and tells Namor, like, Spider-Man kidnapped my sister. And, like, Namor, like, comes into the restaurant and, like, Spider-Man and Sue Storm are like, can we help you? And Namor is like, fear not, Sue Storm, I shall deal with this miscreant. That's that's the one by Mike Allred, right? That's a pretty awesome one. And then, like, it, it cuts to, like, outside the restaurant and, like, Spider-Man just flies out the window because Namor punched him. So how about you, Mike? Like besides uh, besides the untold tales that your secret brothers with uh, Justin on, is there anything else that uh, that's one of those Spider-Man type stories that you really dig? Or I guess like the the like obviously since I said the Hobgoblin's my my favorite Spidey villain, like I really like that original like Hobgoblin arc from like that Roger Stern constructed. I think it's like from amazing like two thirty eight to amazing like two fifty. Where, like, the Hobgoblin kind of shows up, like, intermittently with those issues. But, yeah, like, you yeah. know, he's got the mystery going on, and, you know, he fights Spider-Man a couple times. And, you know, it just, and I like it's told from, like, his perspective a lot of times, even though, like, his face is in shadow. And, you know, that's that, that was a big part of making, you know, him my favorite villain. And uh, a bunch of honorable mentions. Yeah, I like, I love Craven's Last Hunt. Um, I love Death of Gene DeWolf. Uh the what do you call the original version not the retcon version that like ties into the origin of venom you know where they just change things to add eddie brock into the story and whatnot um uh i like i like the original i think justin mentioned i like the original clone saga with like you know in the 70s with the jackal and you know the tarantula and uh you know uh i like uh like a lot of uh any pretty much almost everything that jm dematis wrote about like harry osborne and stuff i i love his like handling of that character like he handles like good he handles villains very well so you know uh any anything with an osborne and or a craven like in him is usually pretty good so yeah, I, and uh, yeah, evil evil Harry is one of my favorites. You know, I like yeah. I like that whole storyline. You know, especially I guess it's like they had the child within that also kind of is a semi sequelization to the whole Venom kind of storyline or Venom Vermin storyline from uh, from uh, Craven's Last Hunt and stuff like that. And then especially like all those anniversary issues, like the you know it's like the the one with the the hollow gate foil cover and spectacular spider-man and then the yeah. number 200 you know where it's yeah like i really Harry, dig like 200 those, those are, yeah those are good books i really dig 200 yeah and uh, i i a special mention even though it's kind of i guess it might be a kind of controversial pick because it's like a howard mackey issue is i i i kind of like the very end of the clone saga uh, the Sp- spider-man 75 with you know, when Ben dies and, you know, the Parkers lose their child and uh, Norman Osborn comes back. Because when I first read that, that was like a big deal to me because I was like, oh, my God, you know, how could this have happened? Like all this stuff happening in one issue, you know, it just seemed like a really like massive milestone issue. And that was one of the first ones like I was like there for like I bought fresh off the shelf. So that that issue kind of like holds a special like place in my uh heart yeah, i guess well, i think i think uh, for just... for me and my buddy it, it holds a special infamous place in our hearts because <laughs> we always we always joke about like one of our things is like you were the clone 
Oh, we are yeah, as dust in the world. away. Yeah, it was kind of like we always crack up about that. But um, but yeah, no, I you know, and then and then that's kind of where like that issue is kind of where my whole plane tickets to Europe joke came from because I was <laughs> that that was something me I was like so like wait what and he's healed and he's got the little stitches on his chest and what like you know. <laughs> And, like, I was totally, like, freaked out about that. And so, like, this one day, I think, uh, you know, I know we were talking about Spectacular Spider-Man 200, but there, there's a old trade paperback that's called The Green Goblin versus Spider-Man, and it has that issue and, you know, all the kind of famous issues, like, where, you know, it's, like, 39 and 40, and then the issues where Gwen died, you know, like... When, I, when I, can, I can... I can actually see it from where I'm sitting yeah, yeah, right so, now in my room, like on my bookshelf. So, so yeah, he was, I know what he you're was, talking about. He was, he was flipping through that, you know, I think in, in my apartment one day, you know, and he's like, man, see, look at this. This is, you know, he's looking at the issue where, you know, where, where you know, Norman gets impaled and everything. And, like, he's looking at that big famous scene and he's like, look at this. This is this is good Spider-Man comics. Like, and he's all proud and everything and happy about it. And I kind of creep up behind him and I'm kind of like, hey, look at that. And he's like, what? And I go, you see those plane tickets he's got in his back pocket? And it's like that scene where he's, like, strung up against the wall and the goblin gliders impaled him. And he's like, what are you? Oh, man. What are you? You know, he's just like, you realize what I'm talking about? And, like, totally, like, ruined the whole, like, moment for him but it was like one of our jokes where it was like kind of funny because like after that i was just like i'm all how can you read you know it's kind of like one of those things it's like i can't you know sometimes i can't just watch uh, empire strikes back without thinking about you know i hate you i hate you <laughs> it's like the same thing like it's tough for me sometimes to read those old goblin stories and go oh no he's gonna be okay he'll just go to europe and you know, make some babies and get some plane tickets and it'll be all good. But, uh, but yeah, like that, that is definitely, I guess that's, that's definitely something for me. That's uh that's an infamous issue if nothing else. Um, but, uh, uh, what about you, Tony? Is there some favorite, uh, Spider-Man stuff that, uh, that you like that you'd like to, uh, share with the fan holes audience? Um, yeah, I appreciate you guys for waiting on me to be eaten by a spider and to bust out and have new powers. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it's it's always good that we, you know, sometimes we just have to, you know, sell our souls to Mephisto so that we get everybody on the podcast. So it's like that's that's how things work over here. Yeah. What, take, what, take, what, take you, what are you talking about? Tony's been here since the very first minute. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, I've always been here. Yeah, Tony's been here this whole <sighs> time. Um It, it was because Doctor Strange uh, had a big mumbo-jumbo whammy spell on our entire audience that they just didn't hear Tony until now, but cause Tony unmasked on air. Now everybody can hear. Exactly. Him. So yeah. All you know, it, it, sense. You know, chide me if you will, but just remember I was there. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually my picks are probably going to be controversial in the, uh, respect that a lot of people are probably going to be like, those weren't good at all. But uh, I I am a 90s kid as far as my comic reading goes. I got started in the late 80s, but my 80s, like, I guess you would say pool list, was like G.I. Joe and Transformers and Star Wars. I didn't really read, like, you know, hardcore comics. You know, I didn't get into, like, the, the capes and stuff. And then, like, in the late, you know, 80s, early 90s is when I really started getting into, like, Spider-Man and stuff and, and Avengers and X-Men. So that's where the bulk of my reading comes from. 
So as far as like favorite stories, I have read some older ones and they are really good. Craven's Last Hunt is an excellent comic. I have nothing bad to say about it. It's actually in the like late eighties, early nineties. So <clears throat> I would have to say though, I really enjoyed the kind of fun stories, um, especially uh, when Eric Larson was on the book. Uh, I liked the Return of the Sinister Six. I just kind of dug Otto Octavius in a white, you know, pimp suit and being all like smooth instead of like, Spider Man, you're just gonna destroy everything <laughs> I do. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm Secret Brothers with you, Tony. I love business suit, Oc. Yeah, I think I think I I I don't know about Justin, but I'd say it's almost unanimous because I think we we, we were talking about how we kind of dislike how Oc looks currently. But I, I if I had my dithers, I think my favorite looking Oc <laughs> is the. Uh, is the Eric Larson business suit doc as well? So no, uh, uh, no controversy from 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 me and and Mike at least. So oh, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I just thought he looked really cool. The uh, the sinister six, the sinister six were also written like legitimate threats. Unlike later on in the Revenge of the Sinister Six, where they were just ridiculously overpowered. <laughs> it was like we're gonna kill you every fucking issue. <laughs> It was like, now I have cyborg powers. Um, so, yeah, I didn't like that one as much. But, yeah, Return was really good. Also, probably one of my favorite uh, storylines, and, again, it might get some groans from our fan holes listeners. I really liked the Axe of Vengeance slash uh, Cosmic Spidey storyline. Oh, that's, because that's one of my really... favorites, too. So, no. Yeah. It's just really fun. I mean, you know, uh, one of my favorite issues is where Magneto comes in, and he's like, maybe underestimate his Spider-Man. He may be the next mutant that I, you know, have been looking for, all these powers and stuff. And then, like, after he uh, confronts him and stuff, he's like, no, too many random powers. He's not even a mutant. Blah. Now, <laughs> now I'm going to go discover Exodus, who has random powers, but is a mutant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Classic yeah. X-Men villain Exodus, yes, you mean? Yes, classic X-Men villain Exodus. But, yeah, no, I totally dig... Um, I did Cosmic Spider-Man, so yeah, that's definitely one of my one of my favorites. I um, I I always kind of like when I when I used to draw my own versions of Transformers the movie because I I would always take that story as like the archetypical storyline and then I'd apply it to the different comic universes. So I remember when I made my my Marvel version of that, you know, it's like Doom evolves into Kang the Conqueror and Kang ends up fighting like you know. Spider-Man slash Cosmic Spider-Man, which was supposed to be like Hot Rod and Rodimus and stuff like that. So <laughs> I always, I always kind of dug Cosmic Spider-Man. Oh, cool, cool. And actually, actually, just since you just brought it up, I actually will have to say, as far as cross crossovers go, I actually did like Spidey and Transformers. I think was it two or three? Oh, number three, yeah. Number three. Oh yeah. Yeah, him, him and Gears become buddies for some reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, not a great comic, but, yeah, fun. But, yeah, like, the, like the, I said, I'm, the, I'm very much a 90s kid. It's like the hidden missing chapter of the alien costume saga, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and unlike a lot of villains, I actually buy that Megatron can break Spider-Man's webbing. True, true. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's got like he's well, but think know, about it. Power though, of like, robots, like, he could do. I, I still think that's a that's an advertisement for how awesome his webbing should be because it held him for what like it held Megatron for like you know what a minute or something before he snapped. Yeah, it. a panel or two. You know, like it, it lasted for a while. You know, so it's like if if Hulk eventually tears through it, I don't have any problem with it. But you know, I just always hate it when it's like Punisher's like 
glue gun, microchip, knife, you know, <laughs> battle van, cut the webs, you know. Like. <laughs> battle van, I've got a knife. No, that's that's cool. Was there was there any other stories you wanted to go into, Tony, or did that kind of run your any no, honorable um, mentions or anything like that? I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Those are two I definitely want to mention. I guess like. <clears throat> Uh, I, I think probably anything else would probably be uh, maybe miscues that I wanted to be really good stories. I'm not I'm not bitching about them, but I just thought they could have been a lot better. Like uh, I really like the idea of uh, Tony Stark being like Pete's like a like mentor and like you know oh you're a scientist I'm totally a scientist too dude let's like fucking hang out you know and and like I, I think they kind of shit all over that story really quick it was like you know yeah <laughs> yeah they, they seem like they'd be kindred spirits you know it's like oh you're young and you're smart and you like you like science i'm old and i'm like well not old but i'm older and i'm smart and you know we we seem to have this connection it's like oh well you know uh, wait hold on the guy writing me this issue says that i should be a dick so fuck you pete and i'm gonna like throw you out a window Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I think they really botched that, especially like a JMS. The thing that really got me about that was like JMS had Peter go to Tony like, uh, oh, you've been like a father to me. And I'm like, wait, what? No. And uh, yeah, I, if he had said, oh, you've been like an older brother to me, then I would have bought it. But then, yeah, yeah that just, that didn't sit right with me. It's kind of like I, I his... think we have to give. Uh... Okay. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, it's kind of like his think tank job now, you know, like, was like, you know, what, what Iron Man could have been, you know, like a cool job for Spider-Man to have, but I guess wasn't, wasn't in the cards, you know, for, for the old Parker luck. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you know, it's kind of like in the movie, like Sam Raimi did uh, nail that pretty good with, like, you know, Norman going, I've been like a father to you, and... You know, Toby being all like, I had a father. His name was Ben Parker. So. <laughs> that was, that to... was too that was too high energy for Toby. Uh, <laughs> I had a father. His name was Ben Parker. Very well, Spider-Man. It's you who's out, Gobby. Out of your mind. I'm sorry. I, I, I just had a fun. I, I, I hated Norman Osborn's fucking out- outfit in the movie, but... Willem Dafoe was a pretty good Norman Osborn. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. I, I did like his, his voice. Yeah. But yeah, as far as written stories, yeah, uh, because you guys have already listed some really great ones, I just wanted to kind of throw in some ones that maybe had not been mentioned yet. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I just kind of I, I just kind of took an opportunity to plug my, my top ten list, which people can read later. But I can, you know, I can just go through real quick and, like, you know, some of my favorites have already been mentioned. You know, like the you, – you talked about, like, the cosmic Spider-Man storyline and Acts of Vengeance. And Justin mentioned, you know, Craven's Last Hunt. And, uh, you know, Mike had already brought up, I guess – what what I call kind of like the evil Harry saga and like the, you know, the, the original hobgoblin saga and stuff like that. Um, you know, as far as like my, one of my favorite Spider-Man stories, and this might make, uh, might make Tony a little grumpy, but, uh, my, one of my favorite Spider-Man stories is, uh, the amazing Spider-Man annual 20. And it's actually him versus, uh, the Iron Man of 2020. So uh, it, I, I think it's a cool little story and stuff, and it's basically, you know, has some time travel hijinks and stuff like that. But 
it's a good it, representation of like all things Spider-Man to me. You know, he's kind of the underdog in the situation. You know, conceivably, uh, you know, a guy from the future with Iron Man technology should be you know superior to Spider-Man. But there's some stuff that's going on where Spider-Man's trying to protect the kid, and he gets all pissed off and kind of goes into his you know his fan aura mode and round two and you know beats the crap out of him and everything and there's lots of funny jokes and different moments and he's hanging out with mj and you know making jokes with you know uh jay jonah and robbie and all these characters and stuff so i i kind of just enjoy that as a a good litmus of what i what, kind of what i expect from a from a spider-man story Actually, Derek, I'm a big fan of uh, Iron Man 2020. I love me some Arno Stark. So actually, the fact that he was pretty much a badass in the first part of the book doesn't hurt my feelings at all. I, yeah, I'm actually not too grumpy about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's not that he comes off like it's it just it's funny because he, he does kind of get I know he gets kind of choted at the end of it, you know, so it's kind of like I know yeah. if like, somebody was a fan, you know, they might they might get all grumpy with it. But I, I guess I didn't have too many connections even to Iron Man back then. So I just kind of knew he was some wacky Iron Man from the future that seemed kind of a little callous, you know, or oblivious yeah. to his his situation, you know, type thing. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good with. I'm pretty good. Oh, no. oh I was yeah, yeah. Say I'm pretty good with. I'm pretty good with Arno just because he can get choted out every once in a while because he did have a prestige format release of Iron Man 2020 where he actually got to be a badass. So I'm like, yeah, he can get you know he can get you know pushed out every other time. Yeah, I mean, other than that, um, uh, you know, I, I, I really like uh, Amazing Spider-Man Hookie by Bernie Wrightson. Like, I love his art and everything like that, and it's a nice graphic novel and stuff like that. Um, you know, I like, uh, you know, I like John Romita Jr. Spider-Man type stuff. I think he, he draws a really, uh, uh, you know, really hot-looking uh, Gwen and MJ and stuff like that. I mean, as far as, like, uh, you know, some other stuff, I guess you call them, like, honorable mentions or sort of to the bottom of the top ten list. Like, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories is uh, a more recent story, I guess, is from uh, Spider-Man Tangled Web number 13. It's like the villain bar where it's like Norman and Adrian Toomes and, uh, you know, uh, Craven Jr. all go into the bar and stuff like that, and they kind of do their... They're almost got him version with Spider-Man, you know, kind of like that episode of <laughs> Batman, the animated series. So I always kind of thought that that was a pretty great uh, issue. Um, uh, some stuff that people haven't brought up that I kind of like, too, is um, I always liked uh, Peter David's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man run. And I know nobody mentioned it so far, so I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, I thought he had a good handle on uh, you know, writing Spider-Man, and he always has a good handle on continuity and supporting cast and stuff like that. I know the book was kind of plagued with a lot of crossover events and stuff like that, but, I mean, if you kind of discount some of those, it's like I thought it was a pretty solid book. Um, I liked Dan Slott's uh, Spider-Man and the Human Torch miniseries, so I just thought I'd throw out some love for that. And uh, as far as, like, the Clone Saga goes, like, I'm not too big a fan of the Clone Saga, but uh, I did really like the Lost Years. Like, I, I thought that was kind of a cool miniseries where it kind of follows, you know, what happened to uh, Ben Riley, like, right after he didn't get incinerated in the smokestack or whatever, you know. So uh, <laughs> yeah. so I, I kind of enjoyed it. by that, that much. You know, so <laughs> I, I just wanted to kind of throw out some oh, honorable that. mention love for that. Actually, since you mentioned it, uh, it did make, it did remind me. It's not Peter Parker, but you did mention Peter David and the future in the same sentence. Uh, I enjoyed pretty much almost a whole run of Spidey twenty ninety nine. So that's oh, also yeah, a yeah. good book. Yeah, 
Miguel O'Hara. Uh, oh, that that is a good book. You do this for a living? <laughs> With that accent, I was thinking rodeo clown. Don't you mock me, boy. I mock. I'm a mocker. So I guess speaking of like Peter David, I mean, is that is that one of your favorite like Spider-Man writers? Or like I know we haven't delved into writer artist stuff. We kind of mentioned people's names here and there on favorite stories, but like guys like you know like Eric Larson or Roger Stern or J.M. DeMatteis or you know. Those type guys, um, you know, what, what do you think, Tony? Like, is there somebody who's your uh, particular favorite writer and artist? Like, are there guys that you just dig their interpretation of Spider-Man? Well, there's been, like, so many, like, really good writers. Uh, DiMatteis is really good. Uh, Jurgens was on the book for a while, too, right? Yeah, he wrote the... Uh... The blonde, uh, the, he, he didn't, I, I remember he was always regretful. He's like, I don't feel like I really wrote Spider-Man because he wrote like the blonde, uh, you know, clone Ben Riley and the coffee bean or whatever that was, the daily, yeah. the daily grind instead of the daily bugle. Like, so. yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, like even Eric Larson, I think he was the one who wrote the, uh, the the one I was talking about earlier, the Revenge of the Sinister Six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did. Well, he got into a big fight with Peter David about that because he had. Uh, I think that was the oh, yeah. one where he had Doc, he had Doc Ock with the, the Hulk's yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah. With the adamantium arms. So they had a big, the big, uh, to do uh, hubbub about that. And then I remember Peter David's response in the Hulk comic was this funny scene where it was the, you know the fat stubby, you know normal you know Ramita, you know Doc Ock. You know, and he tried to pick a fight yeah. with the Hulk in Vegas, and then he ties his arms together and just, you know, twicks his thumb or something like that and knocks him over or whatever. Yeah. And he, he even says, like, uh, our last fight, I got robbed. It was petty larceny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Larson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, you know, honestly, I would have to say, but I'm I'll be here all week. Enjoy the salmon. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess I would. <laughs> I guess I would have to go with Peter David just because. I mean, he's so easy to go with because he's such a good writer, and I understand it's like kind of a cop out, but he does have such a good way with characters, and I, I think like uh, probably one of the reasons why I like him is because of Spider-Man 2099. He took a guy named Miguel O'Hara, who out of the gate you're like that's not peter parker he's rich and he's got a good job and stuff but like he made him so relatable he's like you know he doesn't want to be spider-man unlike peter who was like you know kind of you know i want to be spider-man you know i'm going to be a wrestler and i want to make money and shit you know he's like oh now i have to have responsibility and like miguel o'hara is just like i still don't want to be spider-man this fucking sucks everybody's trying to kill me what the fuck is going on <laughs> and yeah. you know i also like some of the like yeah I like some of the defter touches they did too, like uh, like Miguel O'Hara's <clears throat> spider powers were a lot more annoying. Like he couldn't control like his little talons on his fingers, and his eyesight was kind of fucked. He always had to wear sunglasses and stuff, and it just made it seem a lot more like you know, it weren't the like gifts of like you know I'm a superhero. It was like I'm I'm kind of a freak, dude. I'm like a mutant, you know. I'm kind of you know I I mean I can do cool shit, but it's still kind of fucked up. And I, I did, I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, like I said, it's a very go-to guy. I mean, everybody loves Peter David. Every, every fanboy is like, oh, I can remember this Hulk run, or I can remember this run from Peter David, and they're always good. But yeah, I mean, he, he really did kind of, you know, make me think outside the box with Spider-Man 2000. I mean, you know, you, you look at it, and you're like, 
let's see, which would I rather read, Spidey twenty ninety nine or Ravage twenty ninety nine? And yeah, your yeah. your an- yeah, yeah, your answer is there. So yeah, I'd have to go probably with Peter David. I will say though that uh, Dematis definitely. I guess he gets the uh, Furman Award for world building. He he made a really good universe for Spider Man. I'll give him that. So like on that note, like is, is Rick Leonardi a guy, an artist that you really dig on Spider Man because he did like the twenty ninety nine books, or you know, speaking about Peter David, is like other collaborators. Like do you like, you know, do you like uh, you know Todd Nock or or uh, you know McFarlane or um, Eric Larson or you know like. I'm a I'm a very visual guy, as you guys know. I do draw myself. Um, I will say I did like the artwork on Spidey 2099. I don't know if it was my favorite because, unfortunately, we did get Venom 2099, and that was a horrible fucking design. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, he was a good artist. I mean, I can't I can't you know uh, disrespect his artwork. But as I said, I am a 90s kid, and even though him and Peter David maybe didn't get along on certain things. I grew up with, like, as far as my reading, I grew up with Tom McFarlane, Eric Larson, and Mark Bagley. And while I can appreciate a Steve Ditko or a Sal Buscema, those are my three guys. Those are, like, the runs I was on. You know, fuck Spider-Man, the regular comic, no adjective. But, like, Amazing Spider-Man with uh, McFarlane, Eric Larson afterwards, and then Mark Bagley. I know uh, Brian, wherever could Brian be? Um <laughs> He, he probably would uh, echo my sentiments. Those are probably like my three uh, three Spidey artists for me. Cool, yeah. No, I mean, I, I grew up on all those three guys, so I, I can see why they would be uh, so easily be somebody's uh, you know favorite type of Spider-Man artist or even run or whatever. Um, what about you, Justin? Like, do do you have uh, you know a favorite uh, you know artist or writer type combination or or even just individually? Um, I'll just give you my favorite artist-writer combo, and I have to go with Lee Ditko. Um, you know, Tony kind of mentioned world building, and you know, where would we be if you know Lee and Ditko yeah. did the initial yeah. world building? I mean, they not only did they introduce you know just the concept itself, but you know, there's so many classic villains. I mean, just you know, in the first like 20 issues alone, you've got like you know the Insidious Six already. You know, not to mention you know Aunt May and uh, Betty and everybody else, um, but yeah, I, I really dig those issues. I think, you know, rereading them, I, I, you know, I know I complain about you know Jay Jonah being such an ass and everything, but you know, just rereading those issues, I'm like, man, like, where would we be if you know they hadn't created all these characters and set everything up? Like, I, I really like. I mean, I like the supervillain fights. I mean, it's really cool when um, you know Pete's fighting the Scorpion like at the dock or whatever, but. I think what interests me more in some of those earlier issues is like the whole, you know, Peter and Liz Allen and Betty Brant kind of love, love triangle. And, you know, then later on, like Ned Leeds comes into it and then, oh, he's going to Europe and Peter's so happy about that. He's like, yeah, I get more time with Betty. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, he, he comes Him back. Him and Norman and have like the same frequent flyer pulling his plan. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, some of those earlier issues, I'm like, I'm kind of more interested in like you know character interactions, you know, because I kind of know, I kind of know where they these characters end up. But it's really neat to see like how they all came together and you know who hated who and who dated who, you know. All yeah, that kind of yeah. Stuff. Well, it's always nice to see like because it's funny like like a lot of times you know you think like because people make a big deal out of Gwen or MJ, you know, they kind of forget about you know people like Betty or Liz yeah. and and you know but there was there were other women before the 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 you know 
I guess the big two or whatever, you know. Yeah. Like one of my favorite moments is from that early run of Lee Ditko is when, you know, Liz and Betty do not get along because they each think the other is dating Peter. But then it's like I can't remember for what reason, but they both end up at Pete's house and he's not there but Mir- uh, but uh Aunt May invites them in and who is there but Mary Jane. Like we don't this is before she gets her big reveal, so there's like a flower in front of her face or whatever. But you know, like they're both just shocked. They're just like, you know, wow, she's so pretty. Like this is, is this Peter's big secret? <laughs> you know, like Betty's kind of <laughs> thinking he's Spider-Man, but now she's like, this is a secret. Like he's been dating this supermodel the whole time. <laughs> like, I, I think retroactively they should just have uh, Ben Grimm from the Future Foundation with Betty and Liz and be like, boy, that's a Spider Woman. <laughs> I just going to say it always surprised me like for being a nerdy like clumsy oaf like Peter was portrayed he could really pull some fucking tail couldn't he <laughs> well that, that's yeah. the thing like wouldn't we all want to have Peter Parker's problems you know like who wouldn't want uh, Gwen Stacy yeah, and Mary exactly. Jane fighting over him you know it's kind of like that Archie principle it's like oh poor Archie he's got Betty and Veronica fighting over him a, a rich pretty girl and, and a smart intelligent pretty girl like who wouldn't want those uh you know who wouldn't want that kind of problem but um you know uh i, I i'll just i'll just throw in my two cents really quick before i go on to mike uh for me i i think one of my favorite spidey writers is probably going to have to be roger stern like just because i you know i really dug the whole hobgoblin arc and everything and i liked all the groundwork that was laid and and i think i'm kind of used to that era of spider-man the most you know i i think you know it has some of those stories that echo the whole underdog, you know, overcomes the, you know, the David Goliath type situation, you know, whether it's, you know, just Spider-Man having to, you know, pay his bills or whatever, but also like stuff with like Juggernaut and, you know, things like that. I guess there's all kinds of stories that people like to point to as, as an example of that. Like for me, it's the, the Iron Man 2020 story, but for a lot of people, I think it's that story with, uh, you know, with Madam Web and Juggernaut and everything like that. And then, you know, sometimes people point to stories that go over the top, like with that Tom DeFalco, uh, where he kicks the shit out of Fire Lord or whatever. Everybody always kind of points to that and is like, oh, that's bullshit. I was yeah. eating pizza. Yeah, so, you know, but but there's things about that where, you know, I uh, I dig that kind of, you know, trope of of spider-man or whatever um and then uh as far as artist goes uh i really do love old school john romita a lot like especially the way he draws uh you know mary jane and gwen like i think the girls started looking really great and dynamite you know i guess i guess it's that weird element of he could draw action really good but like when it came time to do the the romance aspect of the comic which that comic had plenty of back in the day like he he could pull that off really expertly well as well and then uh you know other than that uh i really really like mike zek i mean i know we talked about craven's last hunt but i i think he's a pretty awesome penciler and he can convey a lot of the moods and and you know the shadowy kind of situations and and all that kind of you know expressions and stuff but also everything looks very you know kind of the way it should look it looks very streamlined it's dark but it still looks like spidey yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not it's not too much of a a style, you know. It's not too much. It, it, it's not like something like Jay Lee, where you know everything's kind of splattered in inks, and sometimes things are a little hard to 
you know, make out and stuff like that. You know, you can still make out everything and everything's clear and expressive, but it also conveys a certain mood and tension and, you know, that kind of thing. So, but um, what about you, Mike? What, what, what are your favorite kind of Spidey writer, artist type guys? I really love, yeah, like like uh, you've all pretty much mentioned them. I love Roger Stern, uh, Tom DeFalco. Um, for f- absolute favorite, it, it'd probably be a tie between Peter David and J.M. DeMattis. Uh, I think, like, Peter David, I, the, the you've mentioned, like, his friendly neighborhood Spider-Man run. I, I love that run, too, and I think it's a mark of a good writer where, like, he, he gives you this premise that, like, I would, if I read just, the like, a sentence description of it, I'd be like, oh, that sounds terrible. But, like, you're, you're drawn into it, and you end up enjoying it. Like, when I first heard, like, I remember when that book was first, like, coming out, and he was like, oh, I'm bringing back the Hobgoblin, and I'm like, oh, right, and then, like, it turns out to be, like, Hobgoblin 2020-something, or or 2090, it wasn't 2099, it was, like, 20-something-something, but uh, he brings, it's, like, a future Hobgoblin, I was like, oh, that's kind (laughs) of, yeah, whatever, I forgot, but I was like, oh, that's pretty dumb, and, but then it turned out, like, I turned out, I actually ended up liking that story a great deal just because like it was like expertly written and you know it was cool and like the time travel aspect was actually like played off really well so you know i think that's the strength of a good writer where he takes a premise that you don't think you're gonna enjoy and he makes it cool like you know i mentioned this in an earlier podcast but he like salvaged like the other and stuff you know he managed to salvage like a bad idea so you know i think that's the mark of a very good writer when you can do stuff like that and uh uh, since like me and you both had uh him as our one of our favorites do you think that his uh being a a novel author kind of helps him because a lot of writers don't seem to they seem to have a good idea but they never seem to really plan out an arc but with peter david you always get this nice kind of comforting feeling that he's like I've got a middle, I've got a beginning, and I've got an end. So let's just go on this ride, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he 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 usually seems like he has a plan to do what he does, you know, and uh like he never he barely ever disappoints me. So, you know, it's just uh I was going to say um like it just I I really like from also from that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man run the like the too many Mysterios like story where yeah. like all the Mysterios <laughs> come back and uh, like I I wish that could have been explored more but I think they just kind of hand waved that away like in the like uh, modern era where like you know they were kind of like Quentin Beck came back from hell like or something in that peter david story but then it turns out it was just all like a big illusion or something i forgot but i i thought that was kind of cool like i i wouldn't have minded seeing like a league of mysterios or something (laughs) but um and then the other one like jm dematteis uh obviously you know writes Craven's Last Hunt writes a lot of my favorite, uh, like Carrie Osborne stories. So, like, I think he does. He does a good, like, I, I guess it's maybe it's sort of a criticism of his, but he he writes a good, like, he writes good Batman stories, and then he plugs Spider-Man into them, pretty much. Like, it's kind of <laughs> like he he writes like a good, like, dark Spider-Man story. So, like, yeah, sometimes, yeah. like. Sometimes that goes a bit far. Like he 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 kind of wrote it all that I am the spider like junk like right before the clone saga, yeah, yeah. which was kind of going a bit too far. But you know, 
when 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 he when he was like reined in, like he was pretty good, and I really I enjoyed his like second long run, like right after the Clone Saga, like that 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 stuff, like right before, like in between the Clone Saga and the Mackie reboot, I I liked that run a great deal too. Like I I love that Legion of Losers issue where like the spot. The kangaroo, the grizzly, and the gibbon all team up. That that was a great issue, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that's um. There's probably others like I could give honorable mentions to, but for writers, that's about it. So how about the uh, the artists and stuff? Do you have like a favorite? Um, I'd say like I like Mark Bagley like on Spidey. I like like uh I like John Romita Jr. Uh, like I think he he really worked well like on those like gritty like crime stories that like Howard Mackey like were, was writing in the adjectiveless book uh, for okay. a while there like the underworld stories like I I think that really fit well and uh, do you mean do you mean I, the ones I, where he was like teaming up with that one mob guy and Shotgun was after him or oh, uh, yeah, yeah J- Jimmy said. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy Six. Yeah, I don't know. Like, even if those stories weren't the greatest, like I thought the art was excellent on those. And like, even in even though I didn't, I don't really care for like JMS's run. Like, it, the art was always I thought pretty, like pretty, pretty good. And uh, yeah, I, I dig John Romita Senior too as well. And uh, uh, oh, uh, I'm forgetting the main one. I'm uh, Sal uh, Busema. Uh, he's probably like I, I mentioned when we did our favorite comic book artist. He's one of my favorite comic book artists of all time, and he drew like you know some of my favorite Spider-Man stories too, mostly like all the Harry Osborn stuff. Yeah, so I yeah. love Sal Sal Buscema too. So and uh, that's about it, I think. Really, you know. Cool. No, I think I think we talked about a lot of great artists and creators. If people haven't read any of those stories, you know, now they have an idea of where to look or who to who to check out or who to look up on the Wikipedia to research and check out their kind of work and stuff. But um, so I, I guess that's pretty much that that kind of wraps up the whole, uh, you know, Spider-Man aspect of the podcast. And then I know every week we go into our uh, awesome thing of the week. So uh I guess I'll I'll kick it off by uh, going to Justin and asking him what his uh, awesome thing of the week is. Well, um, I've got two things. The first is, you know, no surprise, it is a book. Um, it's called The Girl in Alfred Hitchcock's Shower by Robert Graysmith. And this kind of goes um, – investigates a possible murder. Um, the woman who was who stood in the shower – for the murder sequence in Psycho may or may not have been murdered, and the author of this book was a fan of this girl because she was like in Playboy and stuff in the 60s, and he was a fan of hers. So when he finds out that she may or may not have been murdered, uh, he kind of investigates it, and this book is basically you know, going back to that time. It gives you a lot of history about the making of Psycho, specifically that a shower sequence, and then it kind of gives you um, – some details about the serial killer who was kind of influenced by the movie, and Grace Smith himself gives you like kind of a you know glimpse into what he was doing in his life in the '60s, and uh, it's a really good book. He he also wrote um, Zodiac, which was later made into a movie. So if if you enjoyed the book or the movie, you would probably enjoy this book as well. And, you know, if if you even like you know Psycho or anything Alfred Hitchcock, I would recommend it. Are you are you interested in that movie, that upcoming movie about um, what's her name? Um, 
I can't even think of her name now, but you Jenna know, the, Lee? no, uh, you know, Alfred Hitchcock's like main blonde actress. I can't think of her name now, but they're, they're making a movie about that and how, you know, kind of like their relationship and how he was kind of, you know, I guess the way they're putting the spin on it is that he was very controlling. I think her name's what Norma or something, or I'm trying to remember what her name is, but, uh, Anyway, I was just curious about that. Mm, I I didn't know they were making such a movie, but that that does sound interesting. Like I would probably check it out. Like yeah. it, I know a little bit about Hitchcock. I mean, before this, and then reading this book, you kind of get into a glimpse of like just kind of how odd he is. I mean, you like you always kind of hear weird you know rumors about celebrities and stuff, and you're like, well, that can't be true. But Grace Smith kind of like puts some things out there. He's like, well, this is true, and this might be you know an urban legend, but it, you know it's really interesting. The second thing I have is I bought my first um, S.H. Figures figure, and uh, it is a Common Rider Dino Strike Form figure. Like it's just a specific power up of Common Rider Dino, where he has he's got all these various powers. But um, this is my first S.H. Figures, and I know Mike has you know got a few of those, and I, I kind of got interested in them just because they're well, you know they're they're a little on the pricey side, but they're really poseable and they've got all these different, you know, accessories. They've got like a dozen different hands. I think that mine has like three different forms of hands, like a fist and then one where you can hold his sword and all this other stuff. And, you know, he has, he has this neat thing where you can, if you're not using his sword, you can put it on his back and he can just walk around with it like that. But I, I this is one of those things where I kind of pick it up like every night and just kind of pose it. And sit it back down. Like I usually, you know, these days whenever I buy a toy, I usually just, you know, open it and pose it and then forget about it for a long time. But I just can't seem to like stop posing him. He's so poseable and like neat to look at. Like I really dig it. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got the Piccolo and Gohan from that line. They're pretty awesome. So yeah, I can definitely agree with you that that line is an awesome toy line. Yeah, I mean they're. Like I, I think I paid maybe thirty six or thirty seven for mine, which is is a lot for a little you know like six or seven inch action figure. But it, it's it's totally worth it. Like if you want a really well sculpted and poseable action figure, like SH Figure Arts is it. Oh hey, I, I just figured out what it was because I I don't want to sound like a dumbass who doesn't know anything. Uh, the 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 movie is about Tippy Hedren. And so remember, uh, remember what's her face who, uh, who, uh, uh, played, I think she played the Baroness Sienna Miller. Is that right? Like, anyway, I guess she's, she's planned to be Hedron or whatever. So. Wow. <laughs> she did so good as the Baroness. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, it's funny cause she's actually a blonde or at least for most movies she is. But she's she good did enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> she, she did so good as the Baroness that she doesn't even have to come back for the sequel. Yep. They did that first movie was just good enough. It was good enough. No, I, I, I kind of have a respect for her because I, I, I read I read some interview where she's like, "Yeah, I don't get what that movie was about, and I don't, I just didn't get it." So she's like, "I'm not coming back." Like, so I, I guess I can respect that. Um, but um, yeah, she did kind of blast it, so I give her a little bit of credit for that too. She's like, I don't even like like guns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, what about you, Mike? What was your uh, what was your awesome thing for the week? 
this is kind of belated, and by the time this episode airs, it'll be even more belated, but I wanted to mention it eventually. Uh, I got the, the hardcover of Last Stand of the Wreckers, and uh, if you haven't purchased this uh, miniseries yet in any form, you should definitely get this hardcover version, because it has a ton of extras. Like It has like 40 to 50 pages of extras after the main story, which is, as we've talked about, excellent. And, uh, you know, it's just got, like, extras, like, commentaries by the writers and artists, uh, cover gallery, character profiles, uh, two text stories, uh, like, three extra comic strips, uh, like, you know, all manner of, like, anything you could possibly want in a trade it has, pretty much. And it's a really nice hardcover, and it's... uh, you know, it's it's pretty much a hardcover of a great story arc. If you're a Transformers fan, you should pick this up. Cool. Yeah, that that seems to be a pretty uh, a pretty conclusive and gripping endorsement from uh, from Mike on the Last Stand of the Wreckers. Um, I'll just go ahead and, and throw out my thing. I guess my thing's kind of belated too, but uh, okay. since I'm going to be talking about it, hopefully there won't be any spoilers for anybody uh, when I when I go into it. But um, my my awesome thing uh, is uh, going to be Justice League Doom. Um, it was at least you know at, at the time of this recording, it was fairly recent um, uh, direct to video that featured the Justice League. But um, I, I was just pretty happy with it because uh, I, I thought, like, a lot of the, the big guns got treated pretty well. Uh, you know, it wasn't all, even though it was based on Tower of Babel, and which is kind of about Batman choding the Justice League. Like, I, I don't think the whole movie was, was about that, and it wasn't about, uh, you know, Batman saving the day or whatever, like he kind of normally does in a lot of those, you know, uh, Tim Justice League cartoons. And so, uh, you know, I kind of enjoyed, like, I was applauding the screen when... Uh, when Ace uh, tried to punch Superman and he grabs his fist and, and his whole metallic body like breaks behind him, you know, and stuff like that. I was just like, woo, yay. So I was, <laughs> I was all happy about that. So, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a fun, uh, fun distraction movie and stuff like that. And uh, it was fun to see the, uh, you know, the, their version of, of a kind of a, the Legion of Doom as led by uh, Vandal Savage and all the different kind of, uh, you know, I guess anti-opposite, type guys they pit against the justice league so that that's my thing for for the week um how about you tony uh you got something awesome to tell uh everybody about this week um actually i've got three things one's not going to be i guess too relevant i just thought it was really awesome the other one is hopefully relevant and the other one is awesome but just because it made me laugh so uh i'll do them really quick though uh, my really awesome thing is I just saw the latest cut of the Avengers trailer, and fuck me, I've got to see this movie. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, if you're a fanboy, you probably need a new pair of pants after you watch it. It's just, it's it's just incredible. <sighs> just so much action. It, this looks like a great movie. I know everybody's all, you know, which one will it be? You know, Rises or the Avengers? Dark Knight Rises or the Avengers? And I'm just like... I will see Dark Knight Rises. I would probably love it. I have no doubt. Nolan has not, you know, let me down yet. But fucking Whedon and, like, Avengers, you know? It's just, yeah, there was definitely a lot of just super geek moments where I'm like, you know, Hulk saving Iron Man when he's falling, Hawkeye falling from a building with arrows. Uh, just 
Hey, God. Tony, Tony, maybe maybe you know the answer to this. I was asking Mike and Justin this before because I, I have no idea, and they, they, they didn't have an answer for me either. But uh, I, I think I read somewhere on the Twitters, because, you know, Twitters is gospel nowadays, um, that, yeah. that uh, Whedon kind of said, like, you know, I, I remember either seeing something or reading something where he's like, yeah, that triangle armor is dumb. Like circle armor forever. Like that's the best armor. And you know why? Because it it means something. The circle means something. The triangle doesn't mean dick. The circle means something. That's why we went back to it. And so I was kind of like, I I don't know what the circle means. Like, do you know what the circle means? <laughs> the the only thing I know about the circle is like as far as Iron Man's technical specifications. That's where his unibeam is. That is supposed to be really, really fucking powerful. But, but that's, all, I mean, that's all I got as far as like deep metaphysical shit. No idea. Yeah, I'm like, well, what's the difference? You can still fire a unibeam if it's a triangle or a pentagram or whatever it is in the middle of his chest. So I was kind of like, I, I thought he, he meant like <laughs> giant some, ass. Wait, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was something metaphysical, like some life changing important reason why it should be a circle. But I don't know. Anyway, if anybody knows that's listening to the show. And wants to send us an email, uh, you can send us an email at fanholespodcast at uh, gmail.com. Um, I'm also curious, is this the Japanese trailer that you just saw, or is it some other trailer? Because like, I know it's, a lot of people were making it. It's the one that's been airing a lot more frequently, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Is it, I guess the Super Bowl trailer, I guess you would call it? Okay, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, I don't know. I just, the, the one I saw just didn't have, like, the Hulk as much, and, like, it's the one where, like, you know... The, the shield, like, uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson goes to, like, you know, Bruce Banner's cabin, and she's all, like, right. you know, okay. you know the, the, the long cut, I guess you would say. I, yeah. I just loved it. I, I know I know some people were making a big deal about the <laughs> Japanese trailer because you get to see the helicarrier rise out of the uh, the uh, ocean and stuff like that. And so, you know, I was kind of like, well, of course the Japanese would be all excited about the helicarrier. Oh, <laughs> you know, like that. You that's see the Quinjet and arms. You know, Fuck that, you well, that's probably, you know, more up their alley with, you know, uh, you know, Gundam and, and Yamato and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the helicarrier must be like, Oh, the white awesome. base is going into action. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like they must be excited about that. So, um, yeah, I have no hatred hatred for the triangle though because that was the fucking Silver Centurion emblem. Yeah, I do. I, I like the Silver. Yeah, you know. I was saying that I prefer the pentagram or the triangle or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, as far as as far as my really like cool thing, I guess. Um, I have said this before. Me and Mike have probably gushed way too much about this, but don't care. Uh, just deal with it. Uh. More Than ECI came out recently, and issue three going, still going strong. Just a yeah. good damn comic. Good Transformers. That's all I got to say. Just just read it and enjoy, and Transformers, how they should be written. Yeah, just don't even have to go into it more than that. Um, my last awesome thing is something that made me laugh. Uh, Michael Bay's Teenage Alien Turtles. You know what? You guys <laughs> fucked with me on Transformers, so fucking eat it, Turtle fans. Now you know how it feels. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I, I, I kind of felt that way myself. Like where I was like, well, you know, nobody, nobody spoke up enough, and they all spent their money on these Transformers movies. So I, I think it's a generational thing, though. I think it, it hasn't. I, I don't think it really hit home until it was the Turtles. You know, because the Turtles was on for like ten years, and it probably. 
you know, affects even a more younger demographic than I know I am, or even I know, you know, some of our youngest fan holes here, you know, there's probably yeah, people exactly. that are even younger than them that still have, you know, childhood memories of the, the Ninja Turtles. So I, I can see why, you know, like there would be this kind of, uh, you know, outrage over it. But, you know, what, what's funny is it's kind of like, well, what do you expect? I mean, you know, it's like he, he kind of took a dump all over, uh, you know, transformers and, and stuff like that. So I, I don't know why you would expect, you know, any, any different from this franchise, you know? Yeah. It was just kind of nice as a, as a fanboy to be like, yeah, not so funny when the, uh, whatever shells on the other foot or whatever you want to fucking put it. Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when the, the, the new Star Trek movie came out and they did the whole, you know, Oh, this is rebooted and changed forever. And, you know, comic fans are like, hello, like we were dealing with this back in 1985. Like we've been doing this for a long time now. We're all good with it. You know, so yeah. it can be a real pain in the shell. <laughs> shell yeah <laughs> Yeesh. but yeah yeah those are my three things they were hopefully short uh but yeah all things were funny or awesome so that's me cool yeah so uh yeah so basically uh we we did our awesome things and and we kind of covered the uh spider-man podcast so uh you know uh hopefully everybody gets to go out and uh see the amazing spider-man soon and uh enjoy the video games and all the kind of fun stuff that comes along with that um you know if if you uh if you disagree with some of our assessments of of spider island or if you have some favorite stories or writer artists that you'd like to share with us again you can always uh send those comments and and criticisms to uh fanholes podcast at uh gmail.com so uh just to uh sign off uh i'm derek derek wc i am mike thunderwing lizard atv forever this is Dr. Professor, and I am the spider. And I guess our deal with Mephisto uh, got got cut off because uh, Tony just lost it. So, so uh, on behalf of Tony, Tony, are you there again? I have returned. Cool. Sign off before Mephisto revokes your internet privileges. <laughs> I will see you guys next time on the Fan Holes Podcast, where I might host, I might not. <laughs> and Brian, peace us out, because you're really here, because I made a deal with Mephisto. At least we got a bony old lady back for our troubles. (laughs) (laughs) Spider blood, spider blood.